The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Hello, this is Zach Saber Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be discussing G1 Climax 28, Lionsgate Project 13, Kazuna Road, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show and the network by subscribing on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com forward slash subscribe to sign up and get the podcast and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Also, make sure to check out our friends at purezuroad.com. Our podcast is featured on that site also, along with the Loudmouth Wrestling Network podcast. So check out our good friends at purezuroad.com. A lot of great Puro content. Loudmouth Wrestling Podcast. That sounds like us. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, uh, do they, what do they cover? They cover New Japan? They yeah, cover- they cover New Japan. Um, they might cover, I know they definitely cover New Japan. I'm not sure what else they Trying cover. Trying to break into the territory, brother. <laughs> No, I gotta definitely check that out. I'm always looking for like New Japan stuff to listen to. I mean, all these podcasts out they're, there. They're and, popping up, man. Yeah, but you know, a lot of times I'll just be like working out or driving or at work and I'm trying to find something and even though they're popping up, there's not that many, honestly. It's like every podcast covered WWE. Right. <laughs> so I'm always like, yeah, I need to listen to something else. <laughs> so I'll, I gotta be sure to check those guys out. And uh, Josh, last week our Dominion review was the most downloaded episode of Keeping It Strong Style, record breaking in the past uh, twenty eight episodes. That was that broke our Sakura Genesis was our previous most downloaded. So this broke that number, and it's also the most downloaded episode on the whole Social Suplex podcast network. I feel like Jericho right now. You know, I'm gonna start wearing like black eyeliner, black <laughs> lipstick, and like bedazzle my like jackets because oh my god, I just feel like a rock star. You know? Yeah, man. We're out here just beating up Naito and crap. It's awesome. So thank you everybody who no, downloaded. Thank you guys Dude, so much. It it's means crazy a lot. that. This you know this crazy idea that randomly popped up one night is like has come forward twenty nine this is twenty nine episode this episode and this is like real yeah man we're really up in here you know <laughs> up in here man we're killing it 
And also, best of the Super Juniors, we had the t-shirt contest. Thank oh, you, yes. everybody, for entering that. We I finally uh, did the calculations, and we actually ended in a draw. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, ben Schaefer, aka Jimmy Flips. Jimmy Flips, baby. <laughs> oh my God. Dude. And Roylan Miyamoto. Dude, Roylan Miyamoto is a freaking prediction all star. Yeah, he came in what, like second in the uh, yeah the uh, New Japan Cup, and he was barely off. I mean, like we're talking minuscule. If he'd made like one other pick, he would have won that crap. Yeah, and like. Do you know someone in New Japan, Roiland? Like, what's going on? I don't know that last name, Miyamoto. He might be. He might be in the office. Yeah, yeah. That that's super suspicious. Like, <laughs> like you need a sandbag a little bit more, bud, because that's like two freaking contests in a row. But uh, so, what are we doing, Jeremy? So yeah, so because we got a tie, we never had a tie. To draw, both of you guys are gonna get the T-shirt of your choosing. So, I'm gonna pay for Ben's. You pay for Royland's. Okay. <laughs> I think Royland lives in like Venezuela or like in Australia or something. I don't know. He might. He might live in Japan. Who no, knows? I remember. He, I remember to overseas somewhere. No, he didn't win the contest last time. No, but I remember uh, he's from overseas. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless I'm totally off base, but I'm <laughs> Royland. You let us know. Hit us up on. Hit us up on. Yeah. Uh, on Reddit or whatever it is that you hit us up on, and yeah, uh, I'll Royland. I'll email you, and we'll get in contact on you guys. What shirts you guys want to get for your prize, and uh, better luck next time to everybody else. Stay tuned for whatever our next contest will be. How many points do those guys have? Uh, so both of those guys, uh, they predicted uh, 37 of the 57 matches correctly. Holy and they, crap. That's and they, like 60, like 5, 66%. Like. And they also, they got the the A block versus B block match correct. And they also predicted the final, the winning of that match correct as well. We thought about doing a tiebreaker, but you guys both just freaking rocked it out. And we're like... That'd be so like so shady to, to like <laughs> force you guys to like do a tiebreaker. So yeah. you guys you guys earned it. I was actually You kinda, deserve it. You deserve it. <laughs> you deserve it. Oh uh, yeah, but uh honestly like when I heard how many that they got right, like they did like thirty seven, I was like, dang, I got like thirty two right. Like I was not yeah, that far I off. I, I think I got like thirty right. Man. Yeah. I wanna put clap on my clap on my back <laughs> like I'm freaking Barry Horowitz, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, congratulations, Jimmy Flips and Royal and Miyamoto. All right, now it's time to get into G1 Climax 28. Dude, I'm ready for it. I'm sitting here like eating sushi while we're recording the show. You guys have no idea. Like this is strong style to the max. Yeah, like, this man's ready. Um, so I really yeah. am though. <laughs> We had a lot of G1 Climax 28 news in the last couple days, Josh. We had the announcement of all the competitors, and we also had the announcement of the blocks. Dude, so this morning, okay, so yesterday the block, the, um, you know, they announced the participants, which was definitely like, okay, you know, that's, that's like amazing, you know, but people are asking us our opinions already. Me and Jeremy were both like, we're going to hold off until we see these blocks to kind of give you any kind of like any thought. And then I woke up this morning and someone uh, in the group chat was like shared the blocks and I was just reading, reading. I'm like half asleep. And the next thing I see is B block, <laughs> Omega, <laughs> B block, Abushi. And I was like, oh, my God, 
And I was like, Jeremy! And I was like, Jeremy! He's like, what? He's like, have you seen this? Have you seen it? I was like, yes. Bro, like, what kind of world are we living in? Like, this is, bro, it's happening. It is happening. It's crazy. So let's let's run down. So on the A block, we have Togi Makabe, Michael Elgin, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazushika Okada, the current IWGP US champion, Jay White, Yoshihashi, Bad Luck Fale, Hangman Page, Evil, and Minoru Suzuki. And then in the B block, we have uh, the number one contender for the US title, Juice Robinson, the now new uh, never open weight champion, Hiroki Goto. We'll be talking about that title win a little bit later. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii, Toruyano, Tamatanga, Sonata, Tetsuya Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., the IWGP heavyweight champion, Kenny Omega, and his partner, Kota Ibushi. So it looks like they're doing that B block crap again. With the B block being the stronger block. I mean, don't get me wrong. Both of these blocks look freaking out of this world. But again, yeah, to me, B blocks. Yeah, like, B blocks. They got all the champions. They got the top guys. Like, But interesting thing, in the A block, we will be getting another Tanahashi Okada match. I for sure thought they were going to put those guys in separate blocks. Me but, too, bro. Me too. Um, also, I, That's going to be great, too. I hope Tanahashi beats him. <laughs> <laughs> Buries him. Uh, also, there's a lot of interesting stats about um, this G1 lineup. I got this off a of Twitter uh, Twitter follower at Avalanche Style. So there's going to be one of our followers. Uh, no, somebody oh. retweeted this. I was like, uh, dang, <laughs> we got smart listeners. So we do have smart listeners, but I'm not sure if this guy is one of them. Um, so these, so all time first time G1 matches that we'll see this year Tanahashi and Elgin, Tanahashi and Evil, Makabe versus Elgin, Makabe versus Evil, Elgin versus Fale, Okada versus Yoshihashi, Yoshihashi against Suzuki, Fale against Evil, Fale against Suzuki, all of Hangman Page's matches, all of, <laughs> all of Jay White's matches. Um, Goto uh, versus Omega, Goto versus Juice, Ishii versus Yano, tag partners there. Wait, Goto versus Omega? Nuh-uh. They're in the finals. Oh, yeah. So, that yeah, that's one of them he got wrong. Oh, wow. Um, Ishii versus Omega, Ishii versus Juice, Yano versus Saber, Omega versus Ibushi, obviously. Omega and Saber, Ibushi and Tonga, Ibushi and Sonata, Tonga and Naito, Tonga and Saber, Naito and Sonata, Naito and Juice, Sonata and Saber, and Saber and Juice. And Although, it, that's not a first time match between Ibushi and Omega, just in New Japan. Well, he's saying G in the G1. So this is the first time in the G1 that these guys have ever wrestled, but not in real life. Or like, yeah, he's not counting outside G1 stuff. Oh, I thought they were. No, he's just saying the first first time G1 matches. Okay. Um, and then after this year's G1 matches, matches between this year's participants that we will never have seen in a G1 will be Goto and Evil, Omega and Tanahashi, Abushi and Elgin, Tonga and Yoshihashi, Saber Okada, Juice and Tanahashi, Juice and Fale. 
um, Ishii and Evil, Omega Makabe, Ishii, Ibushi Okada, Sonata Yoshihashi, Saber Evil, Juice Makabe, Ishii Suzuki, Omega Fale, Ibushi Evil, Saber wow. Elgin, Saber Suzuki, Juice and Yoshihashi. And then just a, lot, a few more things here. The longest active streak of two people sharing the same block is Bad Luck Fale and Tanahashi. Five years in a row from 2014 to 2018, which is every year Fale has been in the G1. The longest active streak of two people being kept in different blocks is Okada and Naito. Four years in a row. And then the longest wait for a first-time G1 match that occurs this year is Yano and Ishii. They've been kept in different blocks for the last five years. That's some Chris Harrington type stuff. <laughs> what's what's like? Uh, what's he calling himself? Mukigana or something? Yeah, like Mukigana. Yep. Yeah, bro. That's like some uh, WrestleNomics type crap. Yeah. These this dude did his research, and you know what? He could be dead wrong. But I don't know. It just sounds good. There's a lot of names there. <laughs> a lot of stats. A lot of stats. I don't have enough time to fact check it. I'm going to say he's right. Yes, that was at Avalanche Style on Twitter. Give him a follow. Um, we also got a lot of G1 questions in from you guys. Well, there's a, a lot of stuff with the G1, too, that I think like we should... Are we going to like kind of go... Yeah, so yeah, let's go over some of that stuff that you have there. Yeah, no worries. So, essentially... Uh, you know, they've got the U.S. website up now, officially, so if you want to follow along with the G1 Climax, they actually have an English-speaking website up. Um, also, this was something that I saw Dave Meltzer say, as well as Voices of Wrestling tweeted this out. They were saying that, both of them were saying that their sources had said that this was going to be, uh, now this is before the announcement of the, the names and the blocks, but that it would be the biggest G1 Climax in the history of New Japan, with no context behind it. So I don't know if I'm not sure what they're trying to say. Like you know what I mean? Because right. it's the same amount of competitors. Um, they are running bigger houses. But yeah, two blocks. Still, still two blocks. Still two blocks. But uh, both of them kind of speculated about it and said that they got it from reputable sources, but they didn't know what it meant either. Just that like this is going to be the biggest G1. So I don't know what that even means, but it sounds super exciting. And like I'm like. All right, maybe this is something we'll forget about in a week or two, or yeah. or like this is something where it's like we still don't have all the. There was something where they, uh, I think it was Kevin Kelly or someone like that, said that there's other G1 news that's going to be released soon that like is going to be like surprising to people basically. Right, and I know. Um there's going to be English commentary for all nights. Yeah, so live English commentary every single night of the bro. Can think about that. Like, Dude. there was a time where that wasn't even English commentary for a G1 match. Yeah, it is. It's so crazy to think about. But like, and now we're getting it. How many nights? Is it 19 nights? Yeah. 19 nights. You know, they, they call it G1 divorce season because everybody that, you know, is watching usually gets divorced. Luckily, I'm already divorced, so I don't got to worry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't got to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to put my extracurriculars on the, <laughs> on the back burner. Oh, man. I need help. <laughs> uh, well, maybe the G1 will help me. I don't know. Yeah. Looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> but yeah, bro. Uh, G1 and chill? Yeah, I guess we're going to G1 and chill. Um, also, this was earlier in the week. Uh, New Japan came out with the G1 theme song, which is called a song called Break the Contradiction. So Yeah, um, uh, by Man on a Mission, right? Yes. Yeah. I forgot their name. Uh, good looking out, man. Yeah, Wait, man. The ace. Boom, the ace of podcast, God. baby. The tag um, team. So 
Have you heard this song? I heard a little bit. They played it on, I think, the, one of the Kazuna Road shows. Does it sound like one of those like crappy like 2006 like uh, like emo rock songs that you love? <laughs> hey, 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 don't hate on the uh, 06 rock music, man. <laughs> sound like Cody's like theme song, dude. Do not, do not hate <laughs> on Cody's theme song. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I get so hyped when that song comes on, dude. I don't even know what they're saying at all. Um, Freaking A. So, so yeah, so check out that song. I'll be sure to be checking it out. Maybe we'll play it at the end of one of these shows, you know, one of these days. I don't know if this will be the one or not. Maybe. Maybe this show, yeah. You know what? (laughs) Never mind. I'll tell you later. Um, Also, so let's talk about... We're going to get into it, but let's talk about the Twitter comments from Kota Ibushi. Yeah. So uh, you were the one who was like, did you see this? And I was like, no. And then I checked it out, and I was like, ooh. And uh, I don't know which user it was on uh, Reddit, but someone had put a post up, and they said the seeds have been planted. Yeah. Remember we talked about seeds over here, seeds over there? Sown seeds, yeah. So do you remember what he was saying? Um, I mean, I could pull it up. Yeah. He was uh, being interviewed, you know, about... G1 and Omega's uh, title reign and you know he was pretty much saying that he was happy that Kenny won but he felt weird you know just being outside of the corner like he wasn't even booked for the show like what's what's going on yeah I mean he was saying that like immediately after like Kenny won he was like relieved and elated and then he suddenly realized like he just you know, feels like an afterthought almost and almost like uh, probably envious to some degree of the success that, you know, that Omega had. And he was sitting there thinking like, you know, I don't have a belt. I wasn't even booked for this uh, for this show. Actually, I pulled up here. He said, so the moment he won, I was delighted. I wanted to congratulate him. Oh, my iPad. <laughs> Technical difficulties, guys. Live show that's being recorded. <laughs> uh I was delighted. I want to congratulate him from the bottom of my heart. But a few seconds later, I was thinking, why aren't I in this ring having wrestled tonight? I wasn't booked. It felt weird. Honestly, I was thinking, what am I even doing here? It's easy to think he's going to keep moving forward and we're going to move apart. But tranquilo. Oddly stealing a line. Asena no. Uh, how does it say? Asena. Asenayo. Asenayo. People can think that, but I just have to get results, and that starts in the G1. Uh, talking about the Budokan dive, he said, I did it, I did it, and I admit I knew it wasn't allowed, but somebody told me that the Budokan wasn't going to be used for wrestling ever again, so I thought, screw it. <laughs> uh, and then Abushi said he bowed down and apologized, but uh, could in fact be banned from the building. I don't know. It was six years ago. Will it be okay? Will I actually be banned? If I'm not in the G1, I really don't know what I'm going to do. Well, until then, Trunki. And then Ibushi stops himself. Hmm. So, and this was uh, basically a headline from Yahoo. It was translated by Chris Charlton at Reason JP, who we've said time and time again, you need to give him a follow. But these statements, bro, using lines from Naito. We saw Omega using the Tranquilo line too, so. Are they, like, going to just, like, use, like, Naito's, like, crap but like not even like having to be part of the story you know yeah well also i mean uh i know we're gonna gonna talk about this later but ceo there's gonna be some naito omega bushi interactions i didn't even think (laughs) i literally didn't think of that till just now man the storytelling in new japan it's great right so we mentioned last week how he said 
at minimum, he has to win the G1. So I don't know if he's winning the G1. It seems like in the eyes of a lot of U.S. fans, he's the odds-on favorite, but heartbreaks, bro. Yeah, man. Heartbreaks, bro. You want to get into these G1 questions? Let's do it. So first one comes from our buddy Howard Schilling. He says, who are your top three picks to win apart from Ibushi? Let me pull up the competitors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, For me, uh, the the top uh, outside of Ibushi, I would go with um, Okada, Naito, and Omega as as three guys that could potentially win. Who did you say? Okada, Naito, or Omega. Man, I'm trying to pull up the blocks here. So Naito, Okada, and Omega? Yeah. I mean, that's probably going to be my pick, too. So just taking a look at the A block. Um, yeah, Okada could be one. Um, Naito and... You know what? I don't think Omega's winning this at all. I don't. I don't think he is either. But, I don't even think he has a shot. To but he win just it. said, "I can't think of a third person outside of Zack Saber Jr." Mm. That's gonna be my pick. So I'm gonna. Yeah, my three picks are gonna be Okada, Zack Saber Jr., and I mean I could go Suzuki, but probably not. I don't really see him headlining at Tokyo Dome. Yeah, I really don't see Zack Saber headlining one either. But. Me either. That's why. I, that's why yeah. I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's just go with the sexy pick and pick Ishii. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, those are the three that just make the most sense: Omega, Naito, and Okada. Okada. Um, but I, I didn't. Yeah. So I guess I'll pick those three. Yeah. I, I'll just agree with you. <laughs> I mean, they're the big three. Why would you? Why would you go against them? You know what I mean? Right. Unless you just want to be like hit, but it's not probably not going to happen for you, bro. Um, then uh, Zach Porter, he says, thoughts on a now lighter Fale and what that could mean for him in the tournament. So Fale is down like 40-something pounds. Guys looking lean. I think it means maybe the tournament will be less strenuous for a big guy like that to wrestle, you know, that many nights, 19 nights. That's kind of crazy. Um, G1 is just so taxing. Yeah. I mean, we've seen guys get injured in the G1 and have to withdraw early. It's happened plenty of times in the past. Um, you know, and Fale is not a spring chicken. So do I think it means that he's going to perform better? I mean, how could he How could he perform better? He already performs at a pretty high level when it comes to G1. I, I mean, I think... With the that extra forty pounds gone, he's gonna be able to move a little bit faster. Probably have better matches. Yeah, he'll probably have better matches. Probably be a little bit more aggressive. Wise, though, yeah. I don't know if it's gonna relate to being like him having a better run in the tournament. Right. I mean, he usually does have a good. He always has a good run. Yeah. yeah. I don't see him being anywhere near the finals, but he's gonna be. He'll beat a champion or he'll beat a big name. He always does. Yeah. Like, he's that guy. If he hits you that bad luck fall, I don't care who you are. Yeah, you know, we talk, we talk about protected finishes, but, yeah, that bad luck fall has been also pretty protected as well. I don't care if you're Zack Sabre Jr., if you're Minoru Suzuki, if you're freaking Kenny Omega, if you're Toriano. It does not matter who you are. He hits you with the bad luck fall. Game you're, over. You're done, dude. Yeah. Uh, another question from Zach. He says, 
is this the event that'll finally make Yoshihashi realize he needs to go away for a while, i.e. excursion slash character redevelopment? Also, what the heck is that bum Yoshihashi doing in this and not Taichi? <laughs> and um, the follow-up on that, we also had another question, pretty much a similar question from BJ Baker. Do you agree that Taichi was more deserving of a G1 spot over Yoshihashi? Hmm. So a lot of hate here for Yoshi. Listen, guys, I'm I am definitely one of those people who, if you had to ask me, you know, do I want to see Yoshihashi in this tournament? Not really. Not really. Um, has he done anything to like overly deserve to be in the tournament this year, or you know, not really either? But it's not like he is undeserving in the in comparison to some of these other guys like Makabe, Tamatanga, right. Balak Fale. Like, I, he, like, it's not like that, you know? Yeah, I know we, we like to uh, dog Yoshihashi a lot, but here's what I'll say. The G1, for me, it's all about, like, the match quality. Yeah. And Yoshihashi can deliver, and he has delivered in the past in these tournaments, and he has great matches in these tournaments. So um, a guy like Tai Chi, we haven't really seen Tai Chi really deliver at a high level yet. We know what Yoshi can do. We really don't know what Tai Chi could do. I was impressed with Tai Chi this year, though. I mean, yeah, he's been doing good, but I don't I, know. I really liked his match with Tanahashi. And I mean, I really liked I'm not. His Naito match. I'm not saying he hadn't. He didn't deserve an opportunity, but at the same time, it's like, do you? If you have one spot left and you're choosing between Tai Chi and Yoshihashi, I would pick the guy I know that's going to deliver 100 percent for sure. I agree. At this point, I agree. I'm not going to say, and this is just me being unbiased. Like, I'll tell you the truth. Do I like Tai Chi better than than Yoshihashi? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm not even the biggest Taichi fan. I, I, I've come around on the guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, trust me, I would love to see Miho Abe in 19 nights <laughs> on New Japan World. But. And, and he is one of the guys I'm disappointed it's not in the tournament, honestly. There are yeah. some guys that I could do without, maybe Makabe. Yeah, I could do, I could have done without Makabe. And maybe Yoshihashi, but if you, if it's, if it's we're just being unbiased and we're like, who deserves to be in it more, it's, it's probably Yoshihashi. Yeah. Um, I know it's probably not the, the answer you guys want me to say. You want me to go off on a <laughs> you rant. Want us to like, you want us to bury Yoshi, but... And we do that all the time. And yeah. I'm not opposed to that. I enjoy it quite a bit because <laughs> uh, he does suck. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he he's gonna be fine in this tournament. He, yeah, he, he's he gonna had, ha- he had a really good tournament last year. Yeah, he did. He's gonna have some good matches in this tournament. Although I I, I wanted I was kind of surprised. I thought that Taichi would be in the G one. I did too. A little bit. I kind of thought that. It's funny, you know. A while like a while ago, we had somebody ask us like about like ranking guys in the G one. And I it wrote rich. Yeah, and I wrote down like who I thought was gonna be in the G one. Dude, I, this this guy, Jeremy Donovan, is I, freaking Nostradamus, bro. I got nineteen of the twenty correct. The only one I got wrong was Cody. And we got Hangman Page instead because Cody's working on a movie project. Which Cody said that um, he does plan on being in the G one either next year or the year after that. <laughs> that's got that's gonna like mess up some fanboys and stuff. Yeah. Wow. So get ready, guys, for that Cody G one run in a couple. I would of years. love to see Cody in the oh, G one. Oh yeah. There's something about having guys from North America in the G one, and I don't mean like a Hangman Page. I'm talking about like like when Ric Flair was in it. Or like when Rick Rude was in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of crop's cool, and I want to like Co- to me, Cody's like one of those types of guys. Like, yeah, let's let's get let's get a North American star in this in there. Thing. Yeah. 
Um, and then one last question from uh, Zach Porter. He's, oh, wait, wait, wait. We uh, got to address. We didn't finish addressing that question. So oh, he, he was talking about, <clears> is this going to be the, did he say it's going to be the event that makes us. That makes, that makes Yoshihashi realize he needs to go away. Uh, the thing is, like, I don't have a good enough parameter to tell if, like, what Japanese audiences think about Yoshihashi. Mm-hmm. I don't think he gets big pops. I don't think he's seen as, like, a star, but... I don't think they hate him. He's not getting booed out of the buildings or anything. You know what I mean? I mean, I think for himself, he's not going to want to go away. I mean, he's in chaos. Has he been on an excursion before? Wasn't he in CMLL? I'm not 100% sure. But, I mean, he's in a good spot in the company right now. He's in chaos. He gets title matches throughout the year, like... I don't think he, no matter what's going to happen, I don't think he's going to want to go away. Yeah, he went to he was in CMLL from 2010 to 2011 already. Um, so I mean, he's been there already. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that going to CMLL at this stage in his career is going to be more beneficial because he's already been there. Like, what right. more, what more is he going to learn? You know. Yeah. Um, does he need to be repackaged? I, yes. I, I think so. Yes. I think, I think that's if they decided that they're like, we want to push this guy. If they're fine with his his nice little cushy spot, and they're like, hey, you know, he's a utility guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's a mid-carter, and that's all they ever see him as. They don't got to touch the guy. He's fine. He'll, he'll just bore me to death forever, and I'll just <laughs> I'll hate his anime gimmick or whatever Until it is. Until he hits that lariat, though, right? Uh, yeah. Every time he hits the lariat, I pop. And, like, it kind of pisses me off because, like, <laughs> I always think he sucks so bad. And then he hits the lariat. I'm like, where'd that come from? <laughs> um, but, yeah. I, but if they ever decided that they want to get behind him, especially considering he is a disappointment compared to his entire class of, of young lions, I mean, he's nowhere near any of them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they, they need to repackage him. He doesn't need to go away at this point. It, it's too late for that. Like, how old is he? Like 30-something? I He's think so, right? 36 years old, man. Yeah, dude, yeah. Like, no, he doesn't need to go away. They just need to do something different with him and uh, maybe take a risk. I don't know. But yeah. if, if they're fine with the comfort, just leave him alone. He sucks. It's fine. <laughs> Not everyone can be great. <laughs> you know? um, last question from Zach. He says, do you think that Sabre will continue what he started in the New Japan Cup in the G1? I think he's gonna continue what he started in the G one last year. Yeah, he was he was wrecking dudes. Yeah, he was. Well, he beat Naito. He beat Ibushi, right? He beat Ishii. He, he beat Tanahashi, right? I think he beat Fale. Yeah, he beat yeah. Tanahashi last yeah, year. Yeah, because he got an so I- like, icy tile shot from there. Yeah, game. like like Zack Saber had a fantastic tournament last year, and I think he's gonna do very very well. Oh again. yeah, like they 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 just signed the guy. Like this is his this is his time to the shine. Shot. Oh yeah, and he, what he's an A block, right? Um, I thought he was in the B block. Yes, he's in the B block with Omega and Ibushi and Naito. So he might not have as good of a turn as we're talking about. <laughs> but he, he's going to do well. He's going to do really well. And I think that, uh, you know, we're going to get more chances to come around on Zack Sabre Jr. Because I, I've enjoyed his work in New Japan up to this point. Like, yeah, man. He's been solid. So. Um, then our next G1 question comes from Reddit user IV5277. He says, who are your sleeper sleeper picks to impress in the G1? Mm. Hmm. So sleeper picks. Um, I need to pull up these G1 blocks. Go ahead and give your picks. <laughs> uh, as far as sleeper picks in the A block, I'm going to go with Hangman Page. Ooh. This guy, he's young. He's hungry. He gets these opportunities, and he always delivers and works really, really hard. This is a guy that's going to bust his ass every night to have a good match. 
and I think he's going to pull out some great performances that people are not really expecting. Uh, in the B block, um, for the sleeper, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Juice Robinson. I mean, he had some great stuff in the G1 last year, but he just keeps getting better every year. So I think he's going to have even better matches this year. And I could see Juice maybe pulling a couple upsets against maybe like a Sabre or even like an Ibushi in this tournament. Yeah, so I'm going to give a couple other picks that I think will be sleeper guys in the A block. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. And I could be totally wrong, but I think that Jay White is going to have a great tournament. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You went there. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> I think I think Jay White, I don't think he is blind. I don't think he like is oblivious to the criticisms. And I think like he's got a chip on his shoulder. Especially if they take this title off him. Oh my god, this dude's gonna come in there with, with a like a point to prove, you know what I mean? Right. And like I think he's gonna I think him and Suzuki. Oh my god. Uh him and Hangman, him and Yoshihashi. Him and Okada. Bro, he's going to wrestle Okada, bro. Yeah. You think this guy's not going to have a great tournament? Like, I understand the criticisms, but I'm telling you, all bets are off when it comes to the G1. Jay White is my freaking sleeper pick for the A block. And I'm glad we're just doing one sleeper pick because, I mean, you could name, like, the whole entire thing. Right. For for the B block. And it's not so much of a sleeper, but I guess... Like, I'm kind of torn. Like, do I name Sonata? Prob- no, because it's not really a sleeper. Right. Um, except for the fact that, like, half the time he is asleep when he's wrestling. I, like, <laughs> are, is he going to have a great tournament? I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with uh, I'm gonna go with Tamatanga. I think... Nope, nope. I'm going to change my mind. You know who's the sleeper in this one? Who? And who's going to have a great tournament? It's going to sound ridiculous to say this, but uh, Goto. Mm. I think Goto's the sleeper. I think Goto is going to turn it back on. Uh, he's a guy who's shown that he can go so many times in the past, and he just had a fantastic match, uh, you know, this past Kazuna Road. But he's he's the guy that I think is uh, with the guys that he's working with in the B block, um, like Sonata, Naito, Omega, Abushi, Zack Saber Jr., Juice. He's gonna have a fantastic tournament. Oh yeah, he is. And he's and people are gonna come off that uh, you know that. Goto's washed, yada yada, <laughs> and they're gonna come back around to like Goto can. Goto's the man. Goto can go. He yeah. can, he can go. So those are my two picks: Goto and uh, Jay White, going repping chaos, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it that was upset about chaos losing? Was Mr. ACP? Um, it could I forget now. I think it was Mr. ACP. Yeah, yeah it was Mr. ACP. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, shout out, shout out to chaos. Um. So next question comes from Twitter, our social suplex brother, Rich Latta. He says, what's the G1 final that we want to see the most? Oh, my God. So that's an interesting question. Um, I'm not sure if I want to see it the most. It's not the match you want to see most, Jeremy. It's the final you want to see the most. That's right. That's what I said. The final I want to see most. Don't go Okada Omega. I'm not... (laughs) Actually, I was not going Okada Omega. Okay, okay. I was going to be like, don't do that, bro. <laughs> I'm actually going um, Okada Naito. Oh, that's that's really good. That's actually, like, as of right now, kind of my prediction of the A the A winner and B winner. Man, B I haven't winner. put any thought into it. Oh, my gosh. Um, 
Okada, yeah, Okada seems like he would be the guy that would win the A block. Mm-hmm. Maybe Suzuki could. Um, but I'm just like now it's turning into a prediction, not oh, what you what you want to see. What I would want to see mm-hmm. as a final. Um, I'm really torn. It's gonna be Okada in the final. Either way, mm-hmm. but I'm like, do I really? Would I rather see Abushi and Okada, or would I rather see Ishii and Okada? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Just the thought of that match, man. Oh, that, those are both really tough picks. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. All right. The match I want to see is Ishii and Okada. All right. But the one that maybe has the better storytelling and the high stakes nature to it and like the holy crap what's going to happen here I don't know who's going to win that's Okada Bushi. Mm. If it's Ishii and Okada I know Okada's going to beat him probably I just know it's going to you know it'll be a five star match but yeah I'm going to say Ibushi and Okada that's the one that I want to see and that's probably my like pick for the finals Dude. right now. That's a sexy pick. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the G1 is here! I'm so excited. I'm about to flip the table over. Oh my gosh. Better hope this is a Japanese table. <laughs> Yo, uh, is there anyone that you're disappointed to not see in the G1? Not yeah. like, not like you know, Sakamoto or some crap, but right. like, or some Matt Riddle. <laughs> <laughs> Pentagon didn't make it this year. Oh man, uh, you know, yeah, Ray Phoenix didn't get in. They didn't push Shane Strickland. <laughs> Um, no. They didn't put Rey Mysterio in there. What were they thinking? <laughs> Actually, that would have been pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's no way Rey's doing um, that. You know who I kind of wanted to see in this and I think would have been great? Toa Hanare. Mm. Those are my two guys. The two guys that I'm like, I really wish they'd been in this was Hanare and Taichi. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into our last question from at D7Dog on Twitter, Devin Ashman. He's asked us if we were surprised that Jeff Cobb didn't make it into the G1. No. Um, I wasn't surprised. I mean, when we were when I was you know predicting the the lineup a couple months ago, I did not have Jeff Cobb as somebody that was going to be in there. And then plus, well, he said publicly he wasn't going to be in it. Right. And then plus two, you know, Meltzer has talked to him, and Meltzer even said like, yeah, I talked to Jeff Cobb, and I looked at his schedule. For the summer, and he's yeah, he's not doing the G one. Dude, we talked to Jeff Cobb. He said he wasn't doing the G one. No, I'm just playing. That'd be dope, though, right? Yeah. Hey, hey maybe we could uh, talk to him uh, next week when we go to CEO. Is that next week? I think that's yeah, next Friday, right? Yeah, I gotta put in some time to. <laughs> gotta put in the time for that. Yeah, that's next Friday, bro. Oh, what, what are you doing? He's <laughs> slacking, man. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't surprised that Jeff Cobb didn't make it in. I mean, I would have loved to see him in. I think he would have been a great addition, but you know, just timing didn't work out. But at least we'll see him on this Kazuna Road Tour, and we will see him um, at the G1 Special in the USA. It looks like so. Yeah, the thing the thing with Jeff Cobb, it would be great to see him in there, but we do have Elgin. And Elgin does fit that monster Gaijin role. It, would it be cool to have two of those? Sure. Mm-hmm. But we knew already he wasn't going to be in it. He's, he said – we covered it in the news that he said, point blank, mm-hmm. I won't be in the G1. Right. You know, here's the dates I'll be be there for. So I'm not surprised at all. 
I, yeah. I didn't think he was going to be. I'm glad we even have him on the, you know, on the tour right road. Now. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Any anything else that you want to talk about with G1? Was there anyone that you were disappointed that's not in it? Um, uh, really? I mean, I'm happy. I'm honestly happy with this lineup. I Why? Mean, because it's what you predicted. Uh, that I mean, last year was like one of the best G ones in history, and this is pretty much everybody from last year, with the exceptions of Nagata and Kojima. I saw uh, a user on Reddit share the G two climax, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a list of all the heavyweights that are not in it, but like literally. Like, there was enough guys to where I was like, dang, like, New Japan really could do a second uh, tournament if they really, really wanted to, you know? Yeah. And, you know, they actually used to have a G2 tournament. They did? Yeah. Tanahashi won it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, back in the day. That's a weird thought, right? Yeah, it is. That's a real thing. Look it up, guys. (laughs) Twitter, or, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Reddit? No, Wikipedia. Wiki. All right, uh, so let's knock out those, these last few non-G1 related questions that we got. Um, oh, my God. I, I know. I just, yeah, something oh crazy. My God. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're doing the show and like we have our group chat and like sometimes stuff will come across like this is not New Japan related. Uh, it's probably like grown men watch this crap. Uh, yeah. But uh PCO <laughs> is going to be in the be- uh, Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah, Bola. Bola, oh PWG God. Bola. Yo, this man P- PCO has like revived his career. Dude, oh my God. I saw a clip yesterday of PCO hitting a Canadian destroyer to somebody on a stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my dude, God. Dude, it's wild. Dude, we saw like the revival of PCO live <laughs> WrestleMania weekend, and now this man is in every indie. Now he's in freaking PWG. This is wild. Remember, I had that moment with. Uh, What's his name? Joey, uh, Joey Janela. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. like, thank you for bringing PCO back. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you have no idea what this means to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had that bonding with uh, Joey Janela. <laughs> oh, okay, my God. So let's uh, knock out these uh, rest of these questions. Uh, Howard Chillen says, with Rapungi 3K not taking the junior tag belts at Dominion, who do you see prevailing over Desperado and Kanemaru? The Rock and Roll Express, brother. <laughs> If they can get through uh, uh, Brian Alvarez and uh, Filthy Tom, the chop and roll. If not, then I'm going chop and roll express. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any junior tag teams that are like on the horizon? Like, I don't even know. Really, I cannot even dude. think of a single one. Like, yeah, I can't. Like, yeah, there's like, I don't see Hiromu and Bushi challenging again. I don't see Rapungi 3K challenging again the, so soon. I mean, Rapungi 3K is probably going to challenge, challenge like them. immediately because yeah, they don't have anyone else. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else right now. They have to bring in somebody, and I can't even think of like who they should bring in. Uh, Aussie Open. Oh, okay. are they are they juniors? Um, probably. They're working Rev Pro, and I mean, like they like their work. Mm. That those are some guys that, and, and you know what? They used to train with uh with Chris Bryan from uh, Grown Men Watch This Crap. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we like. I don't know what the point is of saying that, but they're friends. <laughs> they're friends and they're cool. They put over the legitimacy of our network. Also, like no, no lie. While we were sitting at uh, what was that show? The um, oh, Spring Break. Yeah. I didn't recognize them. They like came over and like said what's up to Chris, and then went up. And I was like, he was like, oh, that's my friend. Blah blah blah. I forget the, the dude's name. He's like, he's from Aussie Open. And I was like, yo, no lie, that dude smells real good. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
Yo, he's got a nice smell, dude. I don't know. I, I got to find out what cologne he has. Yeah, but I was yeah. like, dang, dude. Like, like, not in a weird way, but yeah. like, he's got a nice smell. He's got a nice smell. And he's like, he's like, oh, don't worry, mate. He always smells nice. <laughs> he's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yo, me and Chris are straight, but we're uh, we're confident enough in our masculinity to acknowledge someone smells good. And uh, and they could be the junior tag champions too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe there's like some freelance tag teams that exist out there we don't know about. Yeah, that could just pop uh, in, like from DDT or like Dragon Gate. Uh, you know, Dragon Gate's got juniors for days. They should just bring someone in. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, they they probably book everything wrong. They shouldn't even have like uh, freaking. Suzuki Goon holding the titles, so I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Maybe Kushida and uh, Chris Haven can team up. Since uh, Shelly's injured. The friends of Shelly. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Bring in the Briscoes. I don't know. Or maybe uh, Kushida and Taguchi, maybe. That, yeah. yeah I, Taguchi always she usually shows up like a random partner to challenge these guys. He used to team with Ricochet. He used to team with ACH. Yeah. Hey, maybe do Ricochet H, or uh, ACH and Taguchi. ACH and... Super yeah. 69. ACH and... Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Tiger Mask. Yeah. Um... What was he, Tiger the Dark or whatever? Yeah, Tiger the Dark and Tiger Mask uh, 4, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, we're just talking crap at this point. Like, and that's not a bad question at all. It's a great question, but we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no clue what is happening with that division at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from our buddy Kyle Moores. He says, after what... What up, Kyle? After what happened Sunday night at WWE Money in the Bank, should Shinsuke Nakamura go back to New Japan? What happened Sunday night? I wouldn't know. That's a lie. I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I watched Money in the Bank. And uh, there's... Dude, it was it was like something in the middle for me. There was like some stuff that was okay, but even the stuff that was like okay, I was like, why would anyone care about this? Like, for instance, like that Seth Rollins match, I was talking to Rich about it today. I was like, it was like a good match, but like... Why would I care about either of these two guys in any capacity? What right do you now? mean? Seth Rollins is a great WWE <laughs> hope. <laughs> oh yeah, my God, guys! We don't usually put over like other podcasts, but like everyone at the freaking uh, everyone at our network loves Joe Lanza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of Voices of Wrestling, if if you could just like go listen to the last five minutes of their last uh, episode, he goes on this rant about how Seth Rollins is the great WWE hope for Wrestler of the Year. Yeah. Oh my God, it is aw- it's legendary. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, honestly, I, I, I've been making the joke. What is even? What What are we even? Oh yeah, we're talking Nakamura. About, yeah. So I've been making the joke that if Nakamura loses, if he loves, he should you know hop on a plane and like take somebody's spot in the G1. But in all honesty, like, should Nakamura go back? I mean, he probably doesn't even want to go back. I mean, he's wrestling, like, this comfortable WWE style. Um, He's still a top star. He goes back to New Japan. Like, he has to wrestle higher caliber matches. He's never... Does he really, though? Does he have to wrestle higher caliber? I was talking with Rich about this, and I I'm, I brought up some points that I think are worth considering. And I don't know if they're like I'm not the authority on this, but bro, like Nakamura wasn't wrestling that high of a threshold, like that high of a level of wrestling when he was there. Mm. Remember, like we were calling him Japanese Randy Orton at the yeah. time, because when the big match comes up, he does believe me, like he turns it on. Big match, like uh, 
you know, Shinsuke is a real thing, but he's wrestling tag matches most of the time. When he is, he's mailing it in. He's not in the match most of the time anyways. And he's wrestling a lot less dates in Japan than he would be with that harsh travel. It doesn't matter how light you wrestle. That harsh travel schedule that WWE's on, yeah. I don't know that it's better for him or easier or anything like that. And I also don't know that he wouldn't be able to still hang with the guys in New Japan. I kind of feel like he, he hasn't been injured. You know what I mean? Right. Like He, he hasn't been like like crippled. He hasn't had a de- debilitating knee injury. Like I don't think that that narrative is actually real. I think he'd be fine until like time catches up with him and something happens based on his performances who knows he might be washed right we don't even know but i think he i think he'd be fine in japan yeah that's just my opinion and i, I and i and i kind of felt the way you you guys are saying like you know um it is easier in wwe yada yada but i don't know if that narrative is real yeah i think it's just something that, that like we've heard like Meltzer saying i don't know if it's real like i don't know i've heard people say like oh he, he went to wwe for self-preservation I don't know if that's the case. Right. And, but either, regardless of that, I'm sure he's getting more money than he was getting in New Japan. Yes, that's true. And it's That's one, definitely true. And it's just one of those things where, like, he's never going to be the IWGP champion again. No, he's not. Well, I, bro, he's a WWE superstar now. Right. If he came back, you think he, he wouldn't get a run at the IWGP title? I, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I love New Japan, but they kind of whore themselves they, they out. They mark that. out for the WWE. They mark out for that WWE status. Like, yeah. Like, the the Royal Rumble winner, Shinsuke Nakamura, come, the guy who wrestled AJ Styles in at, you know, at WrestleMania, you're not going to put the title on that dude, even temporarily? Look what they're doing with with Jericho. <clears throat> yeah. I think, I think he would get a title shot. I don't think he'd be the ace, but could he fill... Uh, you know, like a Suzuki role. Yeah. Would would he be able to Would he be able to come back and like oust Okada from like chaos? Yeah. Mm. I think I think he should come back. I think he'd be fine. And if he's making more money where he is, great. Um, I mean, I will say this. Here's my one thoughts on that match. People are kind of cl- like saying how great that match was. Which match? The last man standing match between mm. AJ and Okada. And I hate to be that guy. AJ and Nakamura, you mean? Oh, my bad. What did I say? <laughs> it's an AJ and Okada. <laughs> oh, that match is great, too. Both of them. Um, I hate to be the guy who's, like, super, like, hipster about my wrestling or whatever. But, you know, these people just sat through a feud, apparently, like, that what ran, what, four matches between these two guys? Yeah, something like that. Which was basically, in, in North America, a dream match. is something that we already got in Japan. And they didn't treat it like a dream match. They treated it like a... I don't know, like a for, uh, an outside foreigner heel versus like the good guy American, like 1980s crap. Right. They did screw finish after screw finish with low producing matches with two of the greatest wrestlers in the entire world, gimmick after gimmick. They put them in a last man standing match, and I watched the match, and yeah, it's probably like four, four and a quarter. But do I think that it was a great Nakamura match? Nope. Do I think it's a great AJ match? Nope. Do I think that it just is good because it's a last man standing match and people kept getting up at nine? Yep. Yep. And it's really hard to have a bad last man standing match. Right. We have you our, gotta suck to have a bad We have our last man uh, uh, standing theory, which I think actually that uh, Kane and Strowman uh, broke that theory. They're, they're the exception. You, the you know, Matt Hardy and Big Show had a last man standing match on SmackDown. I think I remember that. 
Yeah, yeah. it's not good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So those, those are the exceptions but, to the rule. But my thing with that match is basically this. People are freaking out and acting like that's so great because they produced so much crap up to now, and now they had a decent match. Dude, good is not enough when it's when it comes to two of the greatest workers of their generation going one-on-one. I'm sorry, especially since I've seen them have a five-star classic. So why would I be happy to watch them in a garbage match? Right. Just because people are getting up at nine is stupid. Like, no. Why would you even book those guys with that gimmick? That's why I don't watch that crap. The only reason I watched this is because I was tired and we were out here and you had it on. <laughs> you didn't feel like moving. I didn't feel like moving, but uh, and I want to see what was going on. But yeah, I mean, did you have any thoughts on that match? I mean, I thought it was, like you said, four, four and a quarter. It was probably one of the best matches of the rivalry. Um, I didn't see the other. I only saw the WrestleMania match, and it was so mad it made me stop watching the product. Yeah, that's how mad I was. <laughs> I'm still. I'm getting mad thinking about it. Like I'm, <laughs> like oh my god. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see what happens next with Nakamura. I'm hoping a Daniel Bryan uh, matchup. With I don't know where they go with that guy. Yeah. Like uh, Rich Latta told me today that he's the goto of WWE. At this title point. shot after title shot, and like yeah. yeah. I mean at this point, yeah. All right, uh, next question from our boy, Mr. ACP. He says, if Kenny Omega winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship is indeed a concerted effort by New Japan and President Mai to bolster the expansion into Western markets, what should be the reaction if the Cow Palace show and to a lesser extent the Daytona CEO versus New Japan show end up falling well short of sellouts? Well, I don't think that can I don't think you can just blame Kenny Omega for the failure of those shows if he happens to hold the IWGP title. If anything, those shows were already failing to mm-hmm. begin with, and if they happen to pick up more buys or you know sell more tickets and do better business, then it's probably a success that they even put the belt on him to begin with. Because I mean, dude, like. We've already talked in depth about, you know, kind of the uh, decisions with, uh, you know, with the G1 special in USA. But I said it last week, like, I don't think with the card that they've produced that it's a 10,000 seat selling card. Yeah. It's, it's just not. And I don't think you can blame Kenny Omega. Um, I don't know how much Harold Mai. I really don't know much about him, his presidency yet or how much of this you can you can put on him either being mm-hmm. like he's making changes or had anything to do with it. I don't know. Maybe he's intimately involved. I don't know. Yeah, but it, but it, it's too hard. It kind of follow up to that. He says, is it fair to criticize Dominion booking if the results as far as attendance in the USA remain disappointing? Or are there too many mitigating factors to lay the blame on our new IWGP champion? And like you were saying, I, I do think there's too many factors because I mean, I don't. Th- I mean, if Okada was still a champion going into G1 Special, I still don't think they would do ten thousand with the card that they have right now. Not with the card they have. If I mean, if they had booked the right opponent against Okada, I'm just saying, throwing it out there, a Naito, mm-hmm. an Omega, a Tanahashi, they they might sell out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who's holding the title. Same thing with Omega, like. The thing is, it's not that Cody's a bad opponent for Omega. It's just we got this match. Been there, done that. WrestleMania weekend. And 
the people that came to that were people like you and me and fans who are listening who flew into town to see it. I don't think you're getting that same fly in town to watch that match when it didn't even produce the way that we kind of hoped it would. Or, right. You know? Especially with All In around the corner. No. People are already traveling to that. Both of those guys are booked on that show. Yeah. So I just um, – I think that they will do better business than they had prior to uh, – Announcing the card, I mean, without a card, they were like dead in the water. I think that they'll do like another six thousand total, hopefully, and that will be a success. They will, they will make money. Anyone who's like, oh, it's not a success, yeah, it's a, it's a success. <laughs> like, like, don't get it twisted. It's a success. It, it's not the level of success that you're maybe, you know, hoping, you know, for a sellout or whatever. And I'm sure, like. The guys who are the guys and girls who are anti New Japan will have a, a field day and be like, oh, blah blah blah, blah. they're not as hot as they are, blah mm-hmm. blah, they're on the, they're dying, that that's ignorant too, but um, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to just look like this isn't Daniel Bryan's title reign where they can just or like CM Punk's title reign where they can just like blame crap on the guy holding the belt and then that's it, like you know. Omega just got the belt. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just got the belt. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't like, know how. Those, like, shows are already announced and cards kind of already in place. It's like a president coming to, coming into uh, office and there's, like, an issue. And a month later, it's a result of the previous, like, regime being like, oh, you suck as a president. Like, right. They just got there. <laughs> Plus, it's all work anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then the last question, mainly for you comes from uh, Cyber Dog Meat on Reddit. He says, who's your favorite wrestler in 1980s New Japan? Mm, that's a good question. That's a really, really good question. I don't know who my favorite is. I'm, I'll tell you what, I am literally like getting like a man crush on Fujinami dude like my 70s rewatching project I'm like this guy's one of the best of all time uh, no I really like Fujinami um, I like shoot style so I mean I you, like Fujiwara is just one of the greatest talents that have ever been around obviously I like Ricky Choshu um, Vader Vader's whole Vader was only, Vader was only there for one year in the eighties, <laughs> but his whole entire eighty nine run is like, oh my god! Oh, uh, Hans, Stan Hansen, Andre the Giant was great in the eighties. Still, um, I don't know Takata, Liger, like Dynamite Kid, Tiger Mask. Like I love them all, man. Who do you like, Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Jeremy Jeremy is a huge mark for New Japan, but uh, like I don't think you've seen a lot of '80s New Japan, right? No, I haven't. Yeah. So I don't like you don't even really, like have a fair assessment yet. Yeah, and I really I could I could I could say like, I could say Vader, but I mean I only know Vader from. You the, should say Vader. He's freaking awesome. I, I only know Vader's WCW and WWF work. I mean I could say Liger, but honestly I don't I never see I can never seen one like eighties Liger match. I could say Tiger Mask is not my kid. I've seen one of those their matches, but I can't give like a solid answer because I don't my I showed you that Akira Maeda and Fujinami match from yeah, yeah, that was good. That match is awesome. Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, those are guys I mean, there's so many guys I like. I could just keep going and going and going. I could you know, mm-hmm. like pretty much all day, honestly. Like I eighties New Japan is like one of my all-time favorite like periods. Hulk Hogan, 
believe it or not, like Hulk Hogan in, in Axe, Axe Boomba. The Axe Boomba, baby. <laughs> like, he is great. Uh, yeah, I like 1980s New Japan a lot. I think I, obviously, it's not the best in ring product, especially with all the screw job finishes, but I just like it. I like it better than 90s. I like it better than 70s. I, I like it a lot. All those, all those 10 man tags. Masa Saito, my God. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, to answer your question, it's got to be a toss-up between Fujiwara or Fujinami. I'm really, 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 really torn. I would call them 1A and 1B if it was up to me. Nice. All right, so that wraps up the questions for this week. Thanks, everybody, for submitting those. Look out for our posts on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit when we're taking questions for the show if you want to ask a question to us. So now we're going to move on to Lionsgate Project 13. Wait, I kind of want to talk about... This. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. We did have a few other like random. So there's stuff. a lot. There's some stuff that's been going on, and I just figure we should just like kind of address it. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about women in New Japan. <laughs> yeah, dude. So let's talk about what's going on on Twitter. Let's talk about. Let's get it out in the air because it's. I think we need to like at least address it, um, and and just talk about that. Yeah, man. So this has been like coming across my Twitter timeline, like so a lot. It's kind of died down like the last couple of days, but like last week it was like blew up, like after Dominion. Oh, after it, Dominion, it like blew up with, after like, like one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah, like all these like anti New Japan WWE like fanboys were like, you know, why doesn't uh, New Japan book women on the card? So why isn't there what? what how was the women's matches at Dominion? Blah 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 blah. It's like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, are you guys serious right now? Like, I'm Zach Ryder. Are you serious, bro? Like, come on, man. So, I mean, what, what's your take on, like, the situation with that? And, like, you know, what's your opinion? Here's my thing, man. First of all, if you're, you know, crying for women's wrestling in New Japan, you clearly don't know the landscape there. There are... Oh, of Japanese pro wrestling? Right. There are tons of what they're called Joshis, what they call the women Japanese wrestlers. There are a ton of Joshi promotions in Japan. Probably the most notable one is probably Stardom right now. Uh, um, although I've talked to Sierra, and for Sierra says it's the only, it's the one with the most exposure in North America, but it's not like the biggest one, the biggest or anything. right. But probably most people listening to this show probably will recognize Stardom. There's like Stardom, Ice yeah. Ribbon, Wave. So there's all these promotions, all women cards. Yeah, all and they're running like decent well, size. They're getting better. Like yeah. they like it's it's kind of like how. All Japan has been down, mm-hmm. and Noah, but they're starting to come up. Right, kind of like I would say some of the they are outdrawing a lot of the men's promotions actually, but it's somewhat similar to that sort of situation. Yeah, although I don't know, WWE's like buying up all their talent. So right, <laughs> um, but yeah, so you have all these Joshi promotions in New Japan that are highlighting the women on their own shows, on their own cards. And to my knowledge, I haven't heard one Joshi complaining that they want to be on a New Japan show, that they want to be on a New Japan card so bad. No. They're happy doing their thing and doing what they're doing. So for New Japan to book a Joshi match on their card just because they, they're going to be a part of this men's revolution and we got to show that we're not sexy, like, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit into what New Japan does. Listen, I'll, I'll say this, and I think Jeremy agree. Me and Jeremy, we like women's wrestling a lot. Dude, we go we go to Shine and Shimmer. You sound like those racist people who are like, we're not racist. <laughs> I have black friends. 
I'm your black friend. <laughs> uh, but no, but for real, uh, we, you know, we, we do. We really like women's wrestling. Like, probably more than your average, like, listener, I would say. We... Like follow it. We yeah. Watch I mean, Shine, Shine watch or, or, or was it Shine? Yeah, crap. yeah. Shine comes here to Tampa every month or so, and we are usually at those shows. I don't think that we would ever. I don't. I know for me personally, it's not like as a New Japan fan, I would be opposed to women wrestling on the card. It's nothing like that. It's not mm. like women shouldn't be here. It's a you know. It's not like that. Uh, but basically, you have to understand that. Going back to literally like the 50s, before New Japan existed, before All Japan existed, there was Joshi promotions that were bigger at the time than New Japan and All Japan when they started already. And it's and that was that way until like the Joshi promotion splintered off. Like All Japan women's like had, did fantastic business, and there have been boom periods where they've done Tokyo Domes and they've done like the the Dome tours, and they've had they've sold tons and tons of merchandise. They're just in a down period now. But where was the cry for this in the '90s? Right when they were doing huge business and they were outselling at many times, arguably all the men's promotions. You know, was it sexist back then? Why didn't they have men on their show? And I, I'm not trying to like turn it into a reverse thing. I'm just saying I don't think that people who think this understand the landscape of Japanese pro wrestling. Like when you go to a – let's say like a Dragon Gate show, which is like you know crazy work rate, <laughs> crazy spots. Like people don't get mad that like women are on that show. People don't get mad that – the, they're not wrestling the the New Japan style of pro wrestling, you know, because that's their niche audience. Right. The fans who are fans of Joshi are Joshi fans. They're not New Japan pro wrestling fans. You know, there's garbage wrestling in 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 Japan. There's uh, shoot style wrestling. There's all these different types of re- we're used to like in North America. You go to a wrestling show, you get to see everything. Yeah, you have your high flyers. You have your hardcore, your, hardcore, women, your women, yeah, tag team, multi man. You know, whatever uh, old timers match it's not like that in japan it's just not and they don't want it that way that's not how their business is set up and that's another thing too is like could could new japan like bring women in yes but how would they do that in a fiscally responsible way because you have to understand how expensive that would be for them as they're not wwe they got money but they're not wwe right just start a women's division you're talking about like bringing in multiple like millions and millions and millions of expenditures that may not result in any kind of profit gain especially since that culture isn't asking for this right joshi fans are not asking for this joshi fans are not asking for it new japan fans are not asking for it joshi wrestlers are not asking for it nobody in new japan office is asking for it I don't. I think that could it be better financially for them to work for a bigger show? Yeah. And would it be cool for them to get more exposure? Yes. And is there an argument to be made that maybe it might be cool for them to include like a woman's match or something like that to help them gain exposure when they're doing a Wrestle Kingdom or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Will they do that? I don't know. You know, they, right. they can be very stuck in their ways. It's, it's Japan. You know, you have to understand culture. You have to understand it's, it's not like America. That being said, um... I don't think it would I don't know that it would make sense and I don't know that it's their responsibility right. you know where no one is asked like <clears throat> the people who are criticizing New Japan for this are not criticizing DDT they're not criticizing Big Japan 
all Japan, mm-hmm. you know? They're not well, criticizing uh, Noah. None of these companies have Joshi. The thing that I find hilarious is that most of the people that are like fighting for this are people that I know for a fact. Don't watch women's wrestling. Don't. They don't or watch Jush- or Joshi. They don't watch New Japan. They don't watch New Japan. Yeah. <laughs> that the, most of the people I've seen on my timeline, I know for a fact they don't watch New Japan. Or if they do watch New Japan, they only hop in for like Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom. Otherwise, they're not watching Road Two shows and Kazuna Roads and. And all this stuff. Another thing too is like you bring the women in, and like I was saying before, could could they make more money? Yes, but are they going to be featured in a way to where they're like going to be stars? With the possibly, like it's not that it couldn't mm-hmm. happen, but I mean, it's going to take time. And I feel like the reality is you probably are going to end up marginalizing those women. And whereas on the Joshi promotions, which have been around forever, they're the stars. They have their own storylines. They're literally at the top of the card. They're drawing the houses. They're drawing, you know what I mean? Like right. it, it, they're, they're getting a chance to be showcased in a way where they can wrestle every style up and down the card, just like a real promotion. When, you know, when you have a, a little division, look what, you know, when you just have one little division and it's like, look at the juniors. Even though the juniors have always been fantastic in New Japan, they're just now starting to like maybe even be seen as something of an equal. Look, right. How many years has it taken? 40, 46 years, 50 years? So I'm just saying, like, I don't think that it would be terrible for women to come to New Japan. Could it happen one day? Yes. But for those people that want to sit there and be like, oh, New Japan is uh, sexist. It's, it's not a sexism thing. It's more of a business thing. It's more of a culture thing than anything else. And it's like you have not done any kind of history lesson uh, at all right. to understand the history of Joshi in any respect and it's also not something that like the fans over there don't want it right (laughs) so yeah I think yeah if you you want to see Japanese women wrestle so bad watch stardom yeah, go out and get your stardom pass. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the reality is this is not actually – it has nothing to – it's disingenuous is what it really is. It, it really just comes down to fans who are butthurt because they, they like a product that is not getting the critical claim that this product is getting. So right. they're trying to find like a way to like poke holes in it. You know what I mean? That's right. really all it comes mm-hmm. down to. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise, like they'd be watching Joshi. Right. Yeah, they don't. They literally probably couldn't name like a Nakajima or a, yeah, you know, Miko Satomura. Like they don't know those chicks. Right. They don't know Ayashirai. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I'm what sure are we... most people their first exposure to Asuka was her coming to NXT. Yeah, they don't. They didn't. They, they like probably don't know anything about Kana or like right. any of that. Mia Yim, like nothing. Yeah. So. So. All right. You want to talk? Here's another thing I want to talk about. Comparing freaking title reigns. Yeah, so this uh, somebody in our wrestling squared circle Facebook group, but it wasn't just in our group, right? This was this was a graphic that was posted all over the internet for like a few days. It was like a super popular thing on like Instagram and Twitter, and I saw I'm in a bunch of wrestling groups. People just kept posting it, and it was a picture of Okada. And it shared how many days he was champion and also his title reigns. And then a picture of Brock Lesnar sharing his title length and title reigns. And it didn't say, like, anything beyond that. It just was a comparison side by side. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Jeremy? I mean... Because this made me lose my mind. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wasn't even, like... I didn't even get mad at it. I I think it's completely ridiculous to even try and compare... Um, Brock's universal title run to Okada's IWGP title run. Um, I mean, 
yes, Brock has held the title for a long time, but look at his def- defenses and just the way that Universal title has treated compared to the IWGP Championship and the way that they booked that title. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to go towards. So one thing, too, is like, you know, I, I, I've talked to friends about this and they're like, well, it makes you think. You know, that was their whole thing. It was yeah. like, it makes you think. I mean, you know, the pe- people talk about how great Okada's title reign is and they, they're like, but look, they have almost the same amount of title defenses, 13 to 10, and they've held the title almost the same amount of time. So is this title reign really that great? And I'm like, oh, my, oh my God. Dude. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, the, you look at the quality of opponents between both guys, the quality of matches between both guys. Like... It's just, it's ignorant, to be honest with you, is what it really boils down to. You cannot compare a champion from from WWE to a champion in New Japan and just take raw data like that and then say it proves a point with no context behind it. Right. That is idiotic. Um, What you have to do is you have to take a look at the business models of each company. In WWE, what is the business model of a successful champion on top? It has always been, and probably always will be, a guy who tours the country with the title and draws houses and defends the title. Every month. Not even every month. Almost uh, every night. Yeah, on the house shows, yeah. Hundreds of times a year. Like, it is normal for a WWE champion to defend their title hundreds of times. Right. And to wrestle, and to defend it on pay-per-views, and to defend it on TV. Not not all the time, but periodically. Mm Mm-hmm. Dude, this dude's held the title for 400, what, three, 400 plus days, and he defended 10 times. So, I mean, how many months? That's several. That's a year and a half. Like, like so how many pay-per-views he miss? A lot. <laughs> like, a lot. How many house shows? How many house shows he defended at? Like, one or two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, in that context, Brock Lesnar has literally one of the all-time weakest title reigns in the history of the company. Not only that, the people who there are people who are defending this and thinking it was, and really all it is just they're 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 upset about New Japan ha- having a good product and the stuff with Dominion and all that. They're not even happy about Brock Lesnar's title reign. These individuals, right. yeah, they they want Brock to leave. They want Brock to leave. They're upset. They're they're all mad about it. But then they will turn around because they want to defend the almighty WWE brand, right? And they will stand up for his title reign that they don't even like. <laughs> they can't even stomach it because yeah, they man. want him gone because he doesn't show up on TV because he doesn't wrestle weekly. And and then people are like, oh well, it's realistic. It's like a world title, or like you know, like a boxing title or MMA belt. And it's like. Well, then go watch that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, then then you have the IWGP title, which historically is a title that is not defended at every single show because their business model in Japan is different. Yeah. The title is only defended by people. Not always. There's, there's like exceptions, but for the most part, the most deserving challengers, people who have gone through the rigors of storylines to earn a shot at that title and only on the biggest of shows. And most of the time, these people who are challenging for the title could realistic, anybody who's challenging for it could realistically win the belt on any right. given night, whether and, they're booked that way or and not. And I feel because uh, New Japan is more uh, sports oriented. They exactly. Do, they do treat the belt like an MMA title. I mean, they treat watch, it with prestige. You watch the UFC, I mean, the, the heavyweight title's not being defended every show. 
they number their title defenses. Does that not tell you something? Right. You know what I mean? Like the only other co- company in the states that I can think of that does that is Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. W- w- and guess where they got that from? New Japan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you take somebody who had one of the all t- as a title reign had probably if you took the star rating scale whether you put stock in there or not and you took the average i'm gonna guess that his average title defense star rating is somewhere between four and five stars across the board he defended it 13 times i think maybe only one or two of those could be considered less than an all-time great title defense everything was close to five stars The, the dude defended it more than any other champion in history so in the context of this company He's had the greatest title reign that there ever was. There's not even a point in like, you know, arguing. Right, that's about why. It. That's why I didn't even get mad about it. I no, like, I got mad because people are like, literally, like, yeah, New Japan needs to change their ways, yeah. or like, New Japan. Yeah, you like, got into it with, with some dude on there. Yeah, because he was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because he was saying that I was um, being a troll, and I was like, dude, I'm not being a troll. I'm pointing out the the ridiculousness of the post and he was like oh well the post doesn't say anything about which champion was better or that they're equal it just has raw facts you're the one who's interpreting it and I said anyone who would post this without any kind of context is clearly like trying to start something yeah they're, they're trying to imply something and obviously it's right off the back of people who love WWE and hey if you like WWE I'm not criticizing you I could care less I just don't like that product but it, I mean I do, Jeremy likes it whatever I mean it's, it's fine <laughs> and I've liked it in the past and I probably will again I watched a pay-per-view last night no big deal and if it does get good I'll watch it you know if it if it, if it does but um, for, for people who want to criticize this product just because the one that you like isn't up to snuff like that doesn't fly it's stupid and that's why I don't like it best the ignorance of it mm-hmm is because it's like you don't watch this product but you want to judge but, it but you want to judge it right and you want to you know what i'm saying like people are like we'll give like i've given wwe a chance you know how long i've given wwe a chance like for 29 years of my life and yeah like i'm done uh but just watch one show just watch dominion and and try to tell me that you don't you like how could someone not love this like it is yeah dude watch dominion and then watch money in the bank like <laughs> so i guess like the the final oh yeah and then um that kid was saying i was being a troll and i was like no being a troll would be like if i put mil mascaris uh a picture of mil mascaris up next to whatever champion you like and compared their title reigns and said mil mascaris is multi-decade iwa title reigns one of the greatest in history because that's essentially what you're doing right that that'd be a troll so here's oh yeah my final point is like by this logic that Brock Lesnar has had almost equal title defenses to Okada that you know what's being implied there is that they're almost either equals or that it's or that he's better you are literally by that logic saying that every single WWE champion in history because they've all defended it more than Okada have had greater or equal title reigns right yeah to Kazushika Okada's title ring which is which compl- once in a lifetime yeah which completely makes no sense because like foh you know, like get out of here with that like that's the <laughs> stupidest thing i've ever heard yeah, in my man. life and that's what that's what pissed me off about it. and i like maybe i'm fanboying but like i don't think you are man it pisses me off you're bringing valid facts i mean it's it's you know player's day man and then um you want to talk about the seven star rating system yeah <laughs> So, so, did you have anything last to say about Lesnar and, and Okada's tyrants? No, nah, I think it's 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 stupid if you're trying to compare those things. And it's like if you want to be a fan of this, just like do some research and be smart, right? Like like don't be a troll. Yeah, just watch watch good wrestling. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so the seven star controversy. So <sighs> last Thursday, the Wrestling Observer dropped David Dave Meltzer awarded Okada and Omega seven stars. He broke the scale yet again. Not only and- that, Dominion is the highest rated show ever mm-hmm. by Dave Meltzer in terms of average star rating across the whole entire show. Um, if you did the average star rating. The average star rating for each match is 5.13. Wow. It doesn't mean that he thinks the best show. I think the seven stars really offsets that. Right. But it doesn't mean he thought that that show was out of this world. So there's been a Which lot. Which I agree. There's been a lot of debate on whether or not it's ridiculous that Dave gave it seven stars or has broken the scale. And people are kind of divided on it. I think me and you are kind of divided on it. Oh, we're far apart. Yeah, we're we're far <laughs> apart. We are we are a house divided. Yeah. So my stance on it is this. Um, you know, it's Meltzer's scale. It's his newsletter. I mean, to me, he can give an award what he wants to award it. Um, I do understand that he is an authority in this and that people use his star ratings to determine, you know, what are the best matches of the year and And history. history. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if this match is the best match of all time, like he needs, he needs a way to you know put an exclamation point on how great that match is. And for me, like personally, for me, I don't really like trying to go back and compare like a five star match from you know 2017 to a five star match in 1980. It's just completely different styles of wrestling. And you might watch that 1980s five star match and be like, eh, it's it's okay. And because you're so used to what's going on now, <coughs> I um, I don't agree with all of that. So yes, I think ultimately, and let me just say this: I really respect Dave Meltzer, and I, to some degree, idolize him. I listen to his show all the time, and I mean, I don't think we'd be doing podcasting if well, he had kind of yeah, yeah. So I mean, and I do respect his opinion. That's part of what kind of bothers me about it a little bit. My problem isn't necessarily that he can't have his opinion or do what he wants to do. Yes, he can, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. But at the end of the day, um, it really just comes down to relativity because you do like you're kind of saying like, you know, you don't want to compare a a five star match from 1980 to a five star match, you know, from 2018. That's somewhat fair, but that's essentially what Dave is doing. He has an all-time star rating system, and he is an authority. And I think with him, he's not just some Joe Schmo in his mom's basement, like, rating matches that he watched, you know, with no context for years and years because of his, like, exposure to all the wrestling in the world and the tape trading culture and all that. He was seen as one of the authorities when it came to quality wrestling. Yes, not everybody agrees with his star ratings, and yes... You know, it, it, it's more of like a guide and more of a basis of what to expect. But that being said, there has always been a level of consistency. Consistency. <laughs> so there's been a le- level of consistency and uh, relativity to the scale. You know? Right. You know what a three star match meant when you heard Dave say it was three stars. You knew what four stars meant. You knew what five stars meant, which, by the way, was supposed to mean one of the all time greatest matches. Mm. 
that's ever happened in the history of the sport. So when you start rating above five stars, if you really feel that way, by all means. But you really have to be able to back it up because what you are saying is it's better than all five-star matches in the entire history of the sport. And like like I heard Rich say, like there's the scale and then there's over the scale, right? Mm-hmm. My problem is that like I think he's starting to rate stuff over the scale that's not really over the scale because he started off by rating something six stars last year. Right. Well, see, that's the thing. Like once he started, like he just opened like Pandora's box. So now he has to. He booked himself in a quarter, bro. Yeah. That's my opinion. I I don't think that seven stars happens if he hadn't have done six and six and a quarter last year. Yeah. Or even if he did six, if he hadn't done six. It, it, he didn't have to do six. Yeah. Dave has rated stuff above six, above five stars many, many, many times in the past. And he never called it six. You know, Kawada and uh, Kawada and Mizawa. There was a, a women's match. I forget which one it was. Same thing with uh, Steamboat and, and Flair. He had above five-star matches. Plenty of them. You can find them out there. Um, in the observer like records, but he'd call them like five plus plus or something like that. You know, yeah. um, you know, you could just rate it. You could have hypothetically just rated it five stars and said this was the greatest match I ever saw. We would know what that meant. Um, but the problem, my and again, my only problem with it is this: the Tanahashi and Okada match, and the boot or the Ishimori and Hiromu. Taking nothing away from how great those matches were, and Dave seemed to really like them because he had this whole new gap of points and point variances between five and six. He started exercising those variances, which is fine. He really liked those matches. He said, This one's five and a quarter, this one's five and a half. But now you're telling me that those matches are better than every single five star match that ever happened in the history of the sport? I don't think he, I don't think that that Ishimori and Hiromu match might not even end up in the top ten of 2018. So you're telling me that there's t- there's going to be over ten matches that are greater than everything that's ever happened in the history of the sport. I just don't think that it's relative. I don't think that it's consistent, and I don't think it's responsible. Is my opinion. I don't know. Um, personally, I'm not that bothered by it. Like to me, I like I like rating matches. Like yeah. I like comparing them yeah and i just don't feel like i don't feel like it's realistic like two stars two whole stars a seven star match i get that that match is really good but two whole stars better than everything that's ever been rated five stars well i guess you know what we should do is like we should do like a, ch- a challenge like let's watch like every five star match that we can we can't <laughs> i have a 1970s project yeah. Because, I mean, that's the only, only really way we can, like, justify, like, is it really seven stars if we go back and watch like, every five-star match? Because, I mean... That is a good challenge. Because, I mean, there's no other way. Because, I mean, like, to me, for me personally, that Okada Omega... I mean, yeah, Okada Omega was, like, the greatest wrestling match that I've ever seen. The best wrestling match ever. So, to me, like, I it, it is better than every five-star match that I've seen. For me personally, the... Omega Okada matches are, in my opinion, the greatest series of matches that I have ever seen. And I will agree with that. My problem is where you rank them so much higher and then you leave this extra space. So you start feeling like you have to fill the void with 
matches that aren't like for instance okada tanahashi i just don't even think that's the best match they've ever even had right so how can it be five and a half if i don't even think it's like better than their wrestle kingdom matches or you know what i mean mm-hmm. the ishimorian uh Hiromu. Hiromu match might it was fantastic and it, it might be I'd have to rewatch it but like I don't even know if it's the best junior match I saw this year so how is it better than everything in history and it's only that way because now there's this whole new spectrum that's being filled with stuff that I think is really four and a half and four and three quarters right. well I don't know that the Ishimori uh, Hiromu match Dave said that was one of the best matches that he's ever seen I think he's losing it so I mean and, and also I just, I think that, I mean, I already made my point. I, I think that, I understand um, what Voices of Wrestling had said something along the lines of like, six stars match of a decade, seven stars match of a lifetime. Yeah. That's all well and good. Sounds good. It's a good, like, quote, but what about everything in between? You start rating stuff in between, is Okada Tanahashi a match of, you know, just beneath match of the decade? I don't think so. I don't, it's probably not going to be in my top 10 for match of the year. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. I, I can see your points, but, like, I don't know. To me, I guess. Also, the thing I don't like about it for me, because nothing's rel- because I'm a logical person, it does break the scale. It breaks the credibility. And well, breaks- Dave, Dave said there is no scale. He made He made the scale, so yes, there is. He's been rating off of it for since 1983. Well, he said there's no there's no cap to the scale. He he made a cap. It was five stars. He he now yeah he increased it. That's another thing. Someone was like, oh well, it used to be four stars and it moved to five stars. So why can't it move again? It's like that's all great and everything, but I don't think wrestling is that different in 2018 to 2008 or even 1998 the way that it was when it moved from 1973 to 1983. That's a that's like an actual like literally like holy crap, completely different thing. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm like Jim Cornette. Maybe I'm one of the guys. <laughs> Maybe I am like Jim Cornette, but I just think that I think it is a little bit like ridiculous. And it makes me be like, I don't even want to like rate stuff on that scale anymore because it's it's not relative. There's no relativity to well, it. You could always use somebody else. Like I'm just going to do grades. Kasanka. No, I'm just going to do grades from now on. I'm not doing five star. Like, I, I don't think the star rating scale works anymore. Even if like guys like Kasanka and like. Other, other, like, you know, top like, wrestling I journalists. I don't even know what the stars mean anymore. They have no, me- they've lost their meaning to me. It's like six, six stars, seven stars, five stars, whatever. Like, I'm just gonna do grades. I know what an A is. <laughs> I mean, it means you passed. <laughs> I know what a D means. It means you're you're flunking. <laughs> I'm just gonna do that crap, kind of crap from now on. All right. Anything? Any other hot topics we, we need to talk about? No. Right. Let's just move on to something. <laughs> man, I got so negative on this <laughs> star rating system. Yeah, man. You're, it, it really bothers you. I'm about to have a, a meltdown on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've heard enough of those this week. Um, so moving on <laughs> to uh, Lionsgate 13. Lionsgate what a show. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Lionsgate. Uh, so we opened up with the feud of the year, Sushi versus Umora. Oh my god, I haven't even thought of that, but now that you say it, like, this could really be a feud yeah. of the year contest. Like, I was kind of joking, kind of serious, like... <laughs> no, literally, like, once you said that, like, my jaw dropped, because I realized, like, oh my god, like, Suji and Umora, like, could literally be a feud of the year. Like, how many draw? 
they went to a draw again at um, we'll get to it but yeah. yeah so yeah so here once again they went to another 10 minute draw um these matches between these guys just keep getting better and better um I really love the sense of urgency that they have in those last final minutes of their matches when they know that time is running out. And they've just been telling a great story, you know, in the last match. It match- feels the same almost every time as far as, like, it almost seems like uh, Suji. Uh, they, they've changed it up the last couple times. Really? Um, so this time, yeah, Suji almost got the win here. It almost seems like consistently, or at least a majority of the time, Suji is the guy that is coming closer to winning these matches. I feel there have been a couple times Amora has been close to victory also. Okay. And I think, I think we'll talk about Kazuna Road. I think that is Kazuna Road, Amora was, was the one that was close to it. But yeah, I mean, this is like a long going rivalry and I think it's going to be a big like deal once one of these guys gets the first win oh i know it will be for me like i'm at the point now where i'm like it's been built up i'm like who's gonna who's who's gonna win this thing like whoever gets the first pinfall is like basically you know making a statement that he's ahead of the other guy when it comes to that you know that class of young lions mm-hmm. so then um well anything else on that match you know their matches are just very very good very very sound technically yeah dude it's just they're, they're, it's a, they're doing everything right it's a good like this display of like basics of pro wrestling yeah like they're not you know trust me i love my dives and my flips and my crazy spots but they're not doing any of that stuff here they're doing holds and um you know suplexes and they're wrestling chops yeah they're wrestling guys yeah so yeah um and then we got a um, in the second match of the night, we got Ren Narita versus Shunsuke Sayama, which was a guy we had to, like, look up. We, yeah, we couldn't even find that much. About on, him. on these Young line shows, like, they bring all these guys. I'm just like, who the heck is this guy? Like, <laughs> I, I guess a, apparently he primarily wrestles in Asuka Project, which I don't even know what company that is. And I've never heard of it. I was wondering if Asuka, like, ran that. Like, <laughs> no. Side, side gig. Her little side gig, yeah. But, um... This was good. This was good. This was a lot of fire. Yeah, I mean, this was just a great um, display for Narita. And I remember us when we were watching it. We thought Narita was going to be. Yeah, we were like, oh, Narita's jobbing to this dude. But yeah, that guy. That guy gets to wear color. Anybody who gets to wear colored gear is going to beat a young lion. Yeah, but that was not the case here, man. Narita battled back against this guy and locked in the Boston Crab. Tapped this dude out. Yeah, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised when Narita got the pick up, you know, picked up the win here. Really, really, I felt good. I felt yeah. good about that. So uh, good to see Narita get a win on one of these against someone who's not a, a young lion. I don't know if that's yeah. happened for him yet or not. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, so then next we had uh, Toa Hanare teaming up with Nakanishi to take on Dinosaur Takuma and Tenzan. And, you know. No, it's terrible. Say what? Terrible. Terrible. I hate these matches. On these Young Lion yeah. cards. I, mean, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was, you know, it's whatever. It, it is whatever, but, like, these are pretty easy shows to get through. And then the third match is always one of these tag matches with one of these guys from, uh, what company are they even from? The, the Dinosaur guys. I have no idea. 
I forget. I, they do comedy spots, and then you get Nakanishi in there, and and uh, thank God we didn't have a what's his face in there this time though. Um, Hiro Saito. Oh yeah. So I mean, it's a little bit better without him in there, dude. But the highlight of this match was we finally got to see the Toa Bottom. <laughs> yeah, we we uh. We pretty much like marked out. We did because like, that. dude, he hooked up. Like, dude, we're gonna see it. We're gonna see. It. <laughs> He's going to toe a bottle. Lift him up. Put toe a bottle. <laughs> so that was good. So yeah, Toa picks up a big victory here, man. And then uh, the fourth match of the night, uh, Yuji Nagata against uh, Tomoyuki Oka. So Oka taking on a guy. I think it's like the fifth or sixth time they've wrestled one on one. I like this match a lot. I liked it too. I I think Nagata and Oka work really well together. Yeah, they do. And I mean, yeah, man, Nagata just keeps putting Oka to the test, man. You know, I love Nagata's, you know, offense, a lot of great strikes, exploders. Um, you know, he has all his, his variations from Nagata locks. Now, there was one time Oka was actually able to get to a rope break on one of the Nagata locks. <laughs> what a what, what a uh, consolation, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, Nagata comes in you know big strikes he just he he works really stiff with these young yeah. lines so it's it's always awesome oka gets to show his fighting spirit work from underneath gets a couple hope spots but yeah. ultimately i mean it's it's all nagata yeah nagata cut him off it hit that rolling kick and the backdrop driver to pin oka got a camel clutch in this match though yeah he did <laughs> and he hit that uh that beautiful belly to belly that he does too yep 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 so that was good. They got good good amount of time too, over twelve minutes. So yeah. uh, Nagata picks up the win on Oka. Any surprises there? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, which brings us to the main event: Ayato Yoshida taking on Shota uh, Umino. Which I think this is the first time that Umino has ever main evented one of these Lionsgate shows, which is a big deal. Taking on you know this young you know this young dude from K Dojo. Yeah, he's he he's been on uh he's kind of been a regular on these Lions Gate shows and it was just a good um, chance to uh, you know show off Umino here in the main event as you mentioned in this uh, Lions Gate show and you know this was um, another pretty good matchup here for Umino uh, and Yoshida Uh, both of these guys just going uh, back and forth there's a lot of great uh, strike exchanges here. And um, just to pick up at the end of the match here, uh, Umino hits a German for two. Uh, Yoshida cuts him off of a pop-up knee strike. They both fire up, trading strikes. Yoshida locks in a chicken wing, takes Umino to the mat, trapping him in the center. Umino fights back, makes it to the ropes. Uh, Yoshida hits a running kick. Covers for Amino. Amino kicks out at one, which is a really awesome. Fired up, uh, but then the head kick and backdrop, backdrop driver, uh, put Amino away, and Yoshida got the win. Yeah, so I, I felt like this was a really good showcase for Yoshida, uh, kind of helping him to like represent K Dojo and maybe draw more attention and eyes to an outside product that mm. that I hear good things about, by the way, um, but. It's just really, really cool to see Umino like at the top of one of these cards. He didn't pick up the win here, but he looked really just like he did against um, uh, Sekimoto last, like yeah, back in May. Yeah, like this, he looked really good in defeat here. They put they this was match of the night for me by far. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah, it was this was close to four stars. 
And um, Yoshida, he's just a great heel foil for Omino. Omino showed a lot of great fire. So, yeah, it's good stuff. I think, uh, like, last month, um, I thought I enjoyed last month a little bit more than this one, especially with the Sakamoto and uh, Umino match. But, I mean, aside from that tag match, everything on this card was good. It was very easy to watch. And, I mean, like, these are these young – these Lionsgate Project ma- uh, shows, they're always just, like, such a nice break from – it's still part of the continuity. It's still part, right. of, part of everything. But it's just something different, you know, which is kind of – you need that sometimes. So, and, you know, what, they're an hour and a half, two hours? Yeah, really easy watch. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked Yoshida and Umino. That'd be my, like, recommendation for a match to check out from that, that card. All right, so now we're going to move on to uh, Kazuno Road Night 1 from... Also, um, Kenta Kobashi's Fortune Dream 5, uh, like, just came out, I think came out today, and Yoshida's in the main event in that match, so... Oh, hmm. Yeah, or something along those lines, so yeah, I mean... We'll this, keep, this... keep an eye on that guy. Yeah, Fortune Dream freaking rules. <laughs> but, uh... Kazuna Road. Yeah, so this is, we're covering the June 17th show. Obviously, there was a show that happened today that we have not seen yet, and there will be a show tomorrow. So, we will be covering the stuff we haven't seen on next week's episode, but we did see this June 17th show that opened up, as we uh, preluded earlier, with uh, Suji and Umura once again, and surprise, surprise, it ended in a draw again. Um, I wonder how many draws they've gone to. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. I think it's like six now? Something like that, yeah. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is, and uh, I think so. I think you might be right with Sushi getting most of it because yeah, at the end of this match, almost every match. I, I in fact, I would I would venture to say if I was a betting man, I I don't think there's been a single match where Umora has looked like he was going to win it at the right. end. Like he usually tends to do very well in the beginning, mm-hmm. and the story tends to be that. With the, the big strikes and the strength and size advantage of Suji, he tends to be the guy down the stretch who is applying a, a Boston Crab. Right. This time, Suji was looking for an armbar, and they fight over it, and uh, Umura makes the ropes, and time expired right as he made it to the ropes. The thing with that, though, is like Suji, even though he might be like gifted and all that, the story is Umura's like fighting spirit that he won't allow himself to get beat. But it's almost like if the matches were longer than ten minutes, he might get beat. He might get beat because he's dwindling down the stretch. So, um, yeah, I mean, this was good. I mean, these matches are starting to be a little bit like if you've seen one, you've seen all of them. But it's kind of like the nice thing about it is just the continuity, the continued story, <laughs> and the anticipation. Because one of these days, one of these guys is getting a win. Yeah, dude, it's gonna be a huge moment, and it's gonna be Amora. <clears throat> he's gonna freaking. Uh, Suji's gonna go for a Boston Crab and he's gonna get rolled up. <laughs> <laughs> and if Suji's smart, he'll pull the tights and, and put his feet on the, the ropes. On the ropes. <laughs> so next up, we had uh, Yuji Nagata teaming up with uh, Nakanishi to go against Oka and Umino. So we had New Japan Dads versus Young Lions here. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while since we've seen one of those matches. It feels like yeah. And I mean, it's nice for them to bring it back. Yeah, this was a good little match here. Um, just like the pretty much the stuff with uh, Nagata and Oka, Nagata and Umino. You know, Nakanishi is kind of rough to watch still. 
Uh, I mean, he had his little spots. Who'd you rather watch right now, at Tenzon or Nakanishi? Tenzon. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but it's not by much, to be honest with you. Yeah. Who'd yeah. You, who'd you rather watch, Nagata or uh, Kojima? Oh, Kojima, baby. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Nagata's so much better than Kojima. Are you serious? I know, but I'm a Kojima mark. You know he's done, right? Bro. He's the, toast, bro. Dude, that's, that's not a hey. <laughs> Bread, Bread club for life. You need to buy a bread club shirt. I should. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Nagata and uh, Manabu Nakanishi defeat the Young Lions at 9 minutes and 6 seconds by uh, uh, submission. Basically, Nagata gets an exploder, and then the Nagata lock on Amino. He taps out the young boy Ace, and uh, yeah, they teach those young whippersnappers a lesson. Yeah. Just like you would imagine they would. <laughs> And then next up, speaking of Tenzon, he was in action next, teaming up with Narita to take on the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori, and the Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro Takahashi. Did uh, Yujiro have any of his young lady assistants out with him uh, that evening? I, I don't think so. Yeah. Where were they? They were in uh, Corkin? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it... I don't I don't know if this is a big enough crowd for them to, to bust out the big guns. Yeah, it was Corkin. Yeah, it was Corkin. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, it, it, it must mean he didn't because I feel like we would remember. Yeah, we would remember that definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it was cool. Uh, Ishimori and Narita is kind of interesting, like, matchup, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. This one's interesting. It's just kind of it's good to see Ishimori again back on the tour. And he did have a nice little exchanges with Narita. And it came down to the end of uh, Ishimori getting um, Narita in in the bell lock. But on uh, NJPW1972.com, they say Ishimori wins the yes lock. Is that what they call it, the yes lock? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Somebody posted a screen capture of it. I don't know. They might have changed it by now, but it did say victory submission, the yes lock. Well, I mean, you can call it the yes lock. Like, it, it was popularized by the American Dragon. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, that's cool, though. <laughs> I told you it's the same move. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like Ishimori just looks a little bit more... Stiff? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, nothing really special there. Uh, next matchup, we had uh, Togi Makabe. They're returning Jeff Cobb, Toa Hanare, Kushida, and Taguchi. Taking on the chaos team of Yano, Yoshihashi, Rocky Romero, and Sho and Yo. So, I mean, this was a pretty much just kind of reintroduction to Jeff Cobb onto the tour, onto the New Japan scene. So, your standard schmas, 10 man tag, you got Taguchi Japan and, and Jeff Cobb taking on you know, Rapongi 3K, Yoshihashi, and Toru Yano. So, it's, it's what you would expect. Right. I mean, Taguchi. <laughs> Up to the same antics, a lot of hip attacks, a lot of comedy spots. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was 11 minutes, you know, nothing crazy. Cobb got to shine a lot in this match. Um, Rocky got beat up a lot. Hanari got beat up a lot. You know, Rapunge 3K looked great. And, uh, yeah, I think Cobb actually ended up picking up the win, right? Yeah, Cobb hit the tour of the islands. What um, is that? That's a... Uh, that reverse is that the reverse uh, power slam gimmick thing that he does? Yeah, yeah. that he used to do when he was Matanza Cueto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot what he called it. 
in Lucha Underground, but I as, forget as Jeff Cobb, it's the tour of the islands. He hit that on our, our good friend, Rocky Romero, and got the win. Okay, cool. And then uh, that takes us to, uh, at the, this point of the night, the G1 entrants were revealed. Also, we didn't talk about this. Uh, the theme this year is called Be a Survivor. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's interesting. If this was like WWE, they would have like a, a commercial and they would like do a parody of Survivor. They'd have people like getting <laughs> on voted, on an island, on an like, island, people getting voted off and you, doing physical challenges. You have like up. Kenny Omega like on the island, like yeah, <laughs> and someone getting their like little fire tiki put out. Like yeah. that's exactly what that would ha- that would be. But yeah, be a Survivor. I mean, I guess that's what you you got to do if you win the yeah. one. Except it's not elimination. So you really don't have to be a survivor. You just got to be the the winner. Maybe a winner is you is what I'd call it. <laughs> uh, Do you know about that from NES? Uh, it sounds familiar, a but win- it just sounds hilarious. Um, yeah, in uh, uh, pro wrestling for the Nintendo Entertainment System, like the, the it was made in Japan and the, they had really bad translations. So like, anytime you'd win a match, there like a victory screen would come up and it would say, "A winner is you." <laughs> Dude, that would be hilarious. G1 Climax 28. That's kind of racist. I don't know if I should... Uh, yeah, it's not a good joke. I, re- I take that back. <laughs> so we, we got uh, Naito, Evil, Sonata, Bushi, and Hiromu Takahashi, the team of LIJ, taking on Suzuki-Gun, Ta- Takashi, Izuka, Taichi, Yoshinabu, Kanemaru, El Desperado, and Taka Michinoku. Yeah, I mean, surprise, surprise, Suzuki-Gun attacks before the bell. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> kind of uh, you know, a wild brawl as you can imagine. Then of course Lij uh, makes a comeback, um, coming on to the end of the matchup. Um, Naito makes a save from Bushi getting pinned, and it breaks down to Bushi and Taka Michinoku. Bushi hits the MX on Taka. Lij beats Suzuki Gun. And pretty much this match was um, to set up the Takahashi Desperado match that happened on today's show for the junior title. And yeah, and post match we saw Naito continue to disrespect Mr. Trophy. He broke off another piece <laughs> of uh, Hiromu's uh, Best of Super Junior Trophy. Yeah, so that was really funny at the end of the match. Like, he was trying to get uh, Naito to, like, apologize to the trophy, I think. Yeah. And Naito, like, bowed down before it, and then, like, he kicked it. (laughs) 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 And another piece broke off. So, uh, yeah, and uh, Hiromu just looked heartbroken. He did. He looked like his whole world, like, came crashing down. (laughs) My God. It's hilarious. Um, So next up, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and David Finley against Kazuchika Okada, Jay White, and Tomohiro Ishii. This I liked. This was good. Yeah, this was a good match. Um, seeing Okada and Tanahashi in there is always great. I mean, they're always magic when they're there and together. And then, you know, the, the stuff between White and Robinson and Ishii and Robinson and look David at the, Finley. Look at this collection of talent. I mean, how can you go wrong? Ishii against anybody. I mean, Ishii's like, you know, he's like garlic salt. Like, he goes good with everything. <laughs> it's just amazing. And then, you know, Okada, Jay White, and his feud. Jay White's had feuds with all three of these guys this year. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of backstory to this. Really good, you know, great matchup, actually, if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, um, like I mentioned, the Tanahashi-Okada interactions are always great. 
they did a great job hyping up uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson. Ishii was his normal Ishii self, beasted out. And then you had uh, Finley, who looked good as well. Yeah, so Finley, um, yeah, Finley looked really good. The stuff with Jay White and Juice was kind of like the standout of the match for me, though. Mm-hmm. And eventually came down to um, Ishii and Dave Finley, right? Yep. And, you know, Ishii basically countered the stunner a couple times, hit him, hit him with the German, Lariat, and then Brain Buster for the one, two, three. That was good night to Dave Finley. Um, and then after the match was over... Yeah, there was like a wild brawl between uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson. Yeah, Jay White jumped uh, Juice and Dave Finley and grabbed Juice and just he was all over the dude, brought him back to the ring while he's trying to walk out, beat the crap out of him, so... Um, yeah, he got a chair, but the Juice was able to punch the chair in his face. That's right. He was going to break his... So he, he set it up so that he was going to stomp on the chair and actually break Juice Robinson's hand. Juice got out of it and ended up punching the chair. And I think he broke his hand anyways. Yeah. He got up in the camera. His his fist was all sorts of swollen. I mean, it was legit. Yeah, his hand looks jacked up. That was a shoot, brother. Yeah, but he said, you know, he's broken his hand before, but and he'll beat Jay White with one hand. And that brings us to our main event of the night, which is the never open weight title, which <laughs> I don't know why I thought this was a funny joke when I said it. You didn't even laugh at it, but I thought it was hilarious. I was like, you know, people are complaining about like juniors not fighting for this title. And I was like, they think people think it's an open weight title. It's not an open weight title. It's never <laughs> it's only heavyweight. Yeah, never open. Uh, no, but anyway, so uh, Michael Elgin and uh, Hiroki Goto. So Elgin just winning the title back at uh, Dominion. It's his first title defense here in Cork and Hall. And he's taking on the former challenger. Now, did you see the uh, comments from Taichi after Dominion where he basically said, like, you guys think you're going to have a title shot without me? me? Yeah, I'm just not. going to move on? Right, like, yeah. He's like, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> he was pretty much uh, like Braun Strowman. I'm not done with you yet. I'm not finished with you guys yet. I'm not finished with you yet, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I ain't done with you, Vince. Not by a long shot. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, dude, this was a absolutely great match. Oh, I liked it. Awesome, hard-hitting main event. I love this matchup, man. This was a great, great main event. This probably match half an hour, bro. It did yeah, not feel dude, like it, it went did, half Yeah, hour. man. 30 minutes, 55 seconds, man. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite Elgin match of the year. That still falls to Elgin and, and uh, Ishii. Ishii. from New Japan Cup. But, man, this match was great. Um, yeah, Elgin and Goto, they just tore the house down, dude. Yeah, man, dude. Like I mentioned, just the hard-hitting strikes, the the GTRs, the Ushigoroshis, um, the burning hammer attempts. I'm still – I'm so critical of that. <laughs> I don't think the dude should be doing burning hammers. He's not Kenta Kobashi. It's not even like a safety thing. It's just like – you're not on that level, dude. Like you, and you never will be. Like, don't use that move. <laughs> Sorry, it's like one of those things. Like, yeah. Um, there was like your own move for whatever reason. There was a ref bump in this match, and during that ref bump, you know why? He <laughs> Tai Chi comes out, hits both men with the mic stand, but then. Uh, Jeff Cobb comes out and runs uh, Tai Chi off. 
and the ref bump didn't play into the finish whatsoever. No, like I thought the match was about to be over, and the match went on another like 10, 15 minutes yeah, after that. I was, that like, was like, that was the half was, one. It was a little bit like, why did they even do this? Yeah, it but was. It, it didn't drag the match down that much, or it didn't. It, I mean, like stuff like that doesn't always happen in New Japan, so it didn't feel too overbooked. You know, they use that stuff pretty sparingly, mm-hmm. which is okay. But uh, and I mean, it fits with, you know. Taichi's character but it was kind of funny like again this guy tries to come in and cause havoc and stuff and like he fails he just failed like, he didn't even do anything like the match kept going without it it's kind of funny yeah <laughs> so yeah towards the end of the match uh, Elgin hit the buckle bomb uh, Bogoto fires up with a lariat and a headbutt oh man another lariat uh, almost destroys Elgin for near fall Elgin counters uh, the GTR, but Goto uh, escapes. Uh, he, he countered into a burning hammer. Goto escapes a burning hammer, hits a PK. He follows with knee strikes, hits the GTR. He sets up for another one and hits it, and he gets the cover and the win. And I was highly surprised that Goto got the belt back here. I was very, very surprised. I was like, man, Elgin had that big win at Dominion and that very good triple threat. People didn't think it was going to be good. It was good. Elgin won. Here's here's my theory. Here's what happened. So, you know how we talked about Harold Mai, uh, you know, kind of like making his debut for the company at Dominion. And I, I imagine it went like this. They're, they like were probably like President Harold, and he was like, "Call me President Mai." <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, "All right, President Mai." And then he's like, "It doesn't matter. You can call me either one." And then they're like, "All right, President Harold." <laughs> and then they're like, uh, "So we have these booking decisions. Uh, we booked him before you got in charge, but we want you to look over." He's like, "You know, guys, you're in good hands. Whatever you want to do, you guys do it. I'm just." You know, we'll we'll pick it up on Monday, okay? You guys got your card planned out. Go out there and kill them. And then after the show was over, they were like, what would you think? And he was like, you put the title on Elgin? And they're like, of course we put the title on Elgin. We're going, you know, we're going to the G1 special in San Francisco. And he's like, y'all know about Elgin? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, we got to get the title off Elgin. (laughs) ASAP. He was like, he's like, put it back on Goto. He's like, we'll, we'll call Jeff Cobb in here. We'll just do that in, in San Francisco. It'll be fine. Trust me. And they're like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong with Elgin? And he goes, I'll tell you guys about Elgin later. <laughs> Far out. So that's the whole. I believe that that is what happened in my heart of hearts. <laughs> Logical explanation to me. Um, I mean, things in wrestling are so weird. What if something like that really is what happened? He's like, you guys put the towel on this dude. <laughs> Do you, do you guys even have Twitter accounts? <laughs> <laughs> do y'all even tweet? Uh, but yeah, so awesome match, post-match. What, what, why do you think they really took the title off him? Dude, it's just Elgin Luck, man. Like, just like the New Japan Cup. You got that big, crazy win over Ishii. We're like, oh, Elgin's going to win the New Japan Cup. Do we start thinking that for real? <laughs> <laughs> That man loses to Juice Robinson in the next match. Like, well, I mean, they did this to Evil a couple years back. So every now and again, they'll do one of these short title reigns. I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I don't understand the booking. I mean, there there've been some questionable, questionable like title booking decisions with uh, both the Junior Tag and then now the Never Title. I don't know. Yeah. But who knows, man? I, I'm not a big like supporter of Hotshot in the belt like this too much, but I mean it is the never title, so Yeah. 
But uh, I mean, it's not the IWGP title or anything. Right. Like that, so. Jeff Cobb comes back out to check on his uh, tag partner, Michael his Elgin. friend. <laughs> but uh, he's probably up in his face. He's like, watch this. <laughs> you little beat. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, Jeff Cobb grabs the mic and challenges Goto for the Never title. So it hasn't been official as of yet, but I'm. Oh, it's official. He he came out and challenged him. <laughs> that means it's official, Jeremy. It's, it's not it's official. New, it's, it's New a, Japan. No, it's not official until you see the graphic. When when has someone ever like come out challenged and not gotten the title shot like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't think of a time. Yeah. So obviously this match has happened. Probably. Also, we talked about. Uh, it was funny because we talked about. Um, you know, like whether Taichi would get the next title shot, and I was like, no, nah, I think Taichi's gonna go on like a little Hiromu type run where, like, remember last year Hiromu kept trying to get to, junior title, yeah, matches. kept getting like uh, thwarted, yeah. I think Hiromu's just gonna keep like interfering in never title matches. I, I want the, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Taichi, I want Taichi to win really bad so he can go on this like uh, junior killer. Oh yeah, and fight all the juniors. I cannot wait. So yeah, so we'll be getting Jeff Cobb versus Goto. Looking at looks like it's gonna be at G One Special in the USA. Maybe on Kazuna Road? No. No, all the Kazuna Road main events are already okay. booked. I mean, tonight's show, this morning's show was Desperado and um, Hiromu. So how many more shows do we have that are gonna be broadcast that we're gonna be watching of Kazuna just, Road? Just two. Two. Okay. The the show that happened this morning and tomorrow morning show. So the last night's show or was headlined by Hiromu and Desperado. And then the the next one is headlined by... The Super Strong Machines versus L.I.J. Gotcha. Okay, great. So we will be, we'll be bringing you the coverage on those shows next week. Yes. On Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, now let's uh, jump into news. Guys, we don't usually do anything like this. But we have an entire news block dedicated to just WWE-related news. For whatever reason, this seems to be the week where there is news related to WWE involving New Japan and its affiliates. So we will cover that starting now. So um, let's start with All In. So there was basically reports um, by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. I don't know all the details about it, but basically saying that WWE is getting kind of like spooked basically about what's going on with All In and then also the like... You know, the attention that New Japan is getting, like, it's not lost on them. Mm-hmm. And there have been active, um, like, actions to reach out to New Japan and All In Talent. Now, who's been reached out to by WWE and their scouts? Like, we don't know. I don't know the details on, like, I think I would assume most of All In Talent, they would be free to reach out to them. Except for maybe guys with, like, Ring of Honor. Right. New Japan, but I don't know the details with New Japan talent because they're not all signed to exclusive deals. You know what I mean? Like, I think they can negotiate, like some of them. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but the the big thing though is that, and what most of the rumors are is that they're going after the elite. Yeah. Um, and no surprise. I mean, those are you know the top draws in wrestling right now: Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And there's going to probably be a bidding war for those guys coming when their contracts are up. And we've talked about it before, you know, like if anyone can, everyone's got a price. I'm not saying they're going to go. Money, money, money. Everybody's <laughs> got a price. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I think come January, 
in like November, it's going to be a very, very interesting time. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and I mean, there's people who are like, I've seen people be like, oh, you know, the biggest company in the world doesn't want three of the biggest stars outside of their company. That's not really news, but it's like, it kind of is. Because that's a huge game changer. I mean, that'll change the landscape of pro wrestling if, if they get like Cody, the Bucks, Omega, like, can you imagine? Dude, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean that just kind of that would be like a blow to like the indie scene. Yeah. I mean that'd be a big blow to Ring of Honor. Oh, Ring of Honor's business. Even new. I mean, New Japan would probably be able to bounce back, but even that would be a huge, huge hit for them. Yeah. Um, speaking of Kenny Omega, so right off the back of his winning the IWGP title, and also his, uh, you know, the seven star match, quote unquote, <laughs> in Dominion, and his his performance at Dominion, and all the hype and all the notoriety, uh, WWE decided this past week to put up an old video of Kenny Omega of when he was in their developmental program in Deep South Wrestling. Yeah. And uh, I think we watched that video, right? Yeah, we watched the promo and we watched the match that he had. I think I just watched the promo. I was not really paying attention to the match, but I mean, was any good? It was whatever. So, you know, there was no V-triggers. <laughs> there was no one-way... <laughs> There's no V triggers. Yeah, there wasn't twenty. How many V triggers were in that Dominion match? I don't think we said that on the air last week. Oh yeah, I think it was like seventeen. Oh my god. Uh, um, but yeah. Do you think this was them being petty? I, honestly, I don't really think it was them being petty. I think it was uh, actually like a smart move on their team, their digital marketing team, um, just capitalizing on the fact that there's probably millions of people searching for Kenny Omega. Yeah. And so they could capitalize on that search of people looking up Kenny Omega. Oh, of course. I mean, it's totally and, related. And that brings people to the network, to their YouTube channel, to the website. What do you think about, um, like, I don't know, to me that almost speaks to the fact that it's like, you guys had this dude and you couldn't hold on to him. Yeah. But like, like your talent scouts couldn't recognize this dude and keep him. But yeah, man, think about it. What what would Kenny Omega be Kenny Omega as we know it if he stayed in Deep South, went through FCW, went through NXT? Would he be as good as he is now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you're probably right. That's a good point. Um, and speaking of Kenny Omega, so another thing was the New Day were on Being the Elite this week. And we'll cover Being the Elite, but that's another thing. It's like weird. Yeah, really. I mean, they've been sort of on it in the past. Yeah. But I mean, right now it just seems really weird that they would even let them do that. Yeah. And the whole like video game crossover and stuff. Yeah. So speaking of crossover, so Triple H was interviewed by Sun Sports this past week, and um, he was posed with the question, would they ever be open to doing a cross-promotion with another big company like New Japan specifically was mentioned? Now, he didn't say, yes, we want to work with New Japan or anything, but he left the door open and he said, you know what? If it financially makes sense and the opportunity is there, he said, we are literally open to anything. And he said that they are working with, you know, ICW and Evolve and, um, you know, like Progress. Progress and, you know, different companies across the globe. And so they already have partnerships and expansions going on. But he said that, you know, if it made sense, they'd be open to it, which I'm like, wow. You know, although there is part of me that's like fearful, like don't like I don't even want the like their guys work with their, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just like. 
I just don't want WWE to buy everybody. Like, I'm scared of it. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it's not that crazy. Like, you know, at one point, especially, like, during the, like, 70s and 80s, like, New Japan was primarily where WWF talent went when they went to Japan. And they went to Japan all the time. A lot of their guys. Yeah. I mean, they used to run the Madison Square Garden League. That was, like, a precursor to the G1. It was because they brought over so many guys from New York. WWF. <laughs> So I mean, it's not like it's not like they don't have some sort of history in the past. They right, yeah. There's been a previous working relationship, and with Triple H, man, he's open to working with everybody. So yeah, that's the thing. It's like with Triple H, it seems like this could really happen. Could you imagine like if if New Japan WWE like work together? Do like a big like? Would that be good or bad? I don't even know. Who's who's booking? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's very interesting and then um so there's news coming out that later this year triple a has a date booked at madison square garden and then next year during wrestlemania weekend ring of honor is trying to secure a date to run madison square garden what is going on jeremy you you listen you read observer more than i do so you kind of know a little bit more about this than i do yeah i mean the whole thing is you know as you well know, we mentioned like the whole New York Madison Square Garden, like Madison Square Garden used to like to be the big place that they used to run back in the day. But then since Barclays Center came around, it's a lot cheaper for WWE to do yeah, TV. Madison Square Garden's been pricing themselves out. Right. And I mean, WWE has loads of money, but still they're going to do what's most cost effective, which is, you know, running the Barclays Center. So, I mean, they still run Madison Square Garden for house shows. Uh, they don't do any TV or anything out of there. Um, so, you know, Madison Square Gardens, like, they're open to dates. I mean, back in the day, you would have Madison Square Garden. They wouldn't allow any other wrestling promotion in there. Cause Ever. Because of their partnership with WWE. Yeah, I don't think going back to the 50s or even before then, there's been anybody in the garden. Right. Like, no, nobody. Yeah. And so now they're like, you guys are running Barclays all the time. Like, we want to run wrestling. I had heard that WWE was catching wind that AAA and Ring of Honor were trying to run, you know, basically Madison Square Garden. And for whatever reason, this is like a big point of pride. Like, basically, it's something where Vince, like, realized, like, oh, crap. Like, they're going to basically run on our home turf. Which right. They're a, a global company. I don't know why. <laughs> but, but, like, this is one of those points of contention for them where it's like his dad ran there. His grandfather ran there. You know what I'm he, saying? I mean, he's run there, yeah. So, I mean, it's like... I, I did hear that they're trying basically to do everything in their power to block other companies like Ring of Honor and AAA from running any dates there. So right. I don't know if they'll be successful or what that means, but man, the wrestling landscape is weird, huh? Yeah, it is. So things are changing. Uh, we also have other news uh, basically uh, revolving around the U.S. expansion and the upcoming shows here in the U.S. So uh, Chris Jericho just recently did an interview with Inside the Ropes, which you can check out online. It was really 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 informative but basically he said that he officially for sure is not going to be working any u.s dates here in the states which was pretty interesting you know and he said like he's been invited to do all in he's been invited to do g1 he was invited to do uh, strong style evolved and he basically told them all no because he felt like it was a slap in the face to vince right he is very loyal to vince and he's mentioned this several times that he will not wrestle for any other company um, in North America besides WWE. Now, he did say this. He said, now, if you're willing to pay me six figures, 
I'll break any of my rules. <laughs> yeah, and like, he even said, like, you know, he can go to Vince. If, if you're going to pay him a six-figure date to, to wrestle, he can go to Vince, and Vince will get over it because it's a six-figure date. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But other than that, if you're not doing – and he also said, he's like, look, like, running – if I were to work some of these other shows, um, essentially his – Value, goes, value down. goes down by working a smaller show. Like he's only going to be working big shows from now on at this phase of his career, which is like kind of crazy. Yeah, but it's smart. At the same time, um, is it hip- hypocritical? You know, hypocritical. You know, people talk about like, you know, Brock and him kind of doing the same thing. But you know, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, at one point, I kind of understand uh, having the loyalty to uh, Vince. I mean. His WWE run is kind of what got him to superstardom after leaving WCW. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I would like to see him on some more shows, but the man understands business. He understands his value. His brand. His brand. He's a marketing genius. I mean, this guy This guy is on New Japan. He's an Intercontinental Champion. He's on Ring of Honor TV with the cruise commercials. He's, his theme song was just a theme for uh, for TakeOver Chicago 2. Finesse of the year, This bro. guy knows how to make money and be a star. Um... So speaking of, uh, you know, U.S. shows, so um, G1 Special in the USA is coming up on July 7th. But before that comes out, Access Television is going to be running a Bullet Club is Fine marathon. (laughs) Um, I don't know all the details about it, but I I assume these are going to be the, you know, basically the chapters in the saga leading up to the main event of Kenny Omega versus Cody, which, you know, as some some people are hypothesizing, this might be the... You know, the official split between the Bullet Club and the Golden Elite. So we will see what happens with that. Yep. Um, speaking of the same show, so Girl Band Party, which is a video game that uh, Bushi Road, is, you know, developed and created, is one of the official sponsors for the G1 in USA. I hear that this Girl Band Party is a very fun game to play. So hmm. if you have a chance to play Girl Band Party, go out and play Girl Band Party. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about it. I just know it's called Girl Band Party. So I know. Um, Harold Mai. Did an interview um, just recently speaking with the media, and they asked him many questions about his international expansion. Uh, so that's a really good, you know, read and review, kind of just getting his ideas. Um, some of the things that he kind of mentioned was that, like, maybe that in the future going to the U.S. Even though they have big plans for the U.S., and they might not necessarily mean coming back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Or expanding into the U.S., you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is very different from like what uh, Kadani had been saying. Like, you know, remember like a year and a half ago, two years ago, Kadani was talking about, you know, developing like a a, a promotion in California, yeah, take, running tours, running tours, taking on taking on these <clears throat> men, bringing them down, and uh, Harold. It seems like Harold Mai might have different ideas. So that's yeah. very very interesting. And then uh, the last bit of U.S. news. So the CEO show, which me and Jeremy and Rich and I believe. James Boyd, if he, you know, comes out with us. <laughs> um, the card was finally announced on Friday, and for a little, little, you know, for a little produce show, it looks pretty decent. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. And the, the announcement of the card actually crashed their website on Friday. Yes, yeah, so I guess they've been doing better in tickets. Is that the reports? Yeah. So the main event for the night is going to be the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi oh taking on Tetsuya Naito and Hiromu Takahashi. Dude, that's going to be incredible. 
That is going to be incredible. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I mean, we've been hearing a lot of the Tranquilo comments from Omega and Ibushi. But there's been some tension between Naito and Hiromu in the last couple of weeks, just slightly, like little yeah. teases. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the little ripples between Omega and Ibushi, this is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Plus, um, this is going to be uploaded to New Japan World eventually, right? I don't know. I know it's airing on Twitch. It is going to be. It's going to be streamed on Twitch. But I, I was under the impression it was supposed to show up on the New Japan World. I mean, website. It, it should, but I guess we'll see. Okay. Um, then also that night we'll have Rapungi 3K showing Yo taking on Dragon Lee and Risuke Taguchi. Which that could be a really good match. Yeah, uh, showing showing uh, Dragon Lee running it back. Yeah, yeah. I'm down for that. Uh, then also we got the Gorillas of Destiny, Tangaloa and Tamatonga taking on Chiefs Robinson and David Finley. I got you too, sweet, right here. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love Tamatonga. I cannot wait to see him at the G1 press conference. Oh, oh my, my God. God. He's, he's going to drop bombs. He's going to light a dumpster fire, bro. Then we got uh, Jushin Thunder Liger taking on our good friend Rocky Romero. And we got Jeff Cobb taking on uh, Chase Owens. Ooh, that's going to be the sleeper match of the night. <laughs> actually, that's yeah, probably going to be really good. It probably will be good. pretty good. I love, I love, like, I actually like uh, Chase Owens way more than I like Jeff Cobb. I'm not uh, even joking. I know. I know you're not. <laughs> the crown jewel, baby. And then also, this was this came out, I think it was yesterday, that Kenny Omega has issued an unsanctioned open challenge featuring his friend Michael Nak- Nakazawa. Mm-hmm. Um, so, He's a wrestler, right? Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, so somebody, there's going to be a match. I think it's going to be like a pre-show match. Somebody's going to be taking on Michael Nakazawa. Yeah, I've I've heard stuff about Michael Nakazawa. I don't think I've really seen him wrestle, but he's like a, he's from DDT. He's been in uh, New Japan before. I've I've heard like good stuff about him. I've seen pictures of him uh, hanging out with like uh, Kotobushi and Kenny. Yeah. So I know that like he's good friends with them, but I don't. I've never really seen him wrestle. Yeah. And Kenny Kenny tweeted the knock is going to shock a lot of people at Daytona Beach. Can't wait for him to be a part of this show. He's who, supposed to be like one of those guys open that's like, like really, really good, but like he's kind of a comedy wrestler, so he doesn't get a lot of like, or at least that's my understanding. If, yeah. Hey, if, listeners, if any of you are more familiar with Nakazawa than we are, um, let us know. I think he left DDT though. I don't think he's there anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Say. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get into the uh, the main meat of the news and close this thing out so all right um cody uh did a new japan media conference call earlier today i think that was probably in regards to the upcoming g1 special yes it was so there's a lot of notes from that if you get a chance definitely want to check that out i think he was talking about like opening up a cigar company with like uh frankie kazarian (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of interesting um Chase Owens also did a really good uh, interview with Wrestle Inc., kind of talking about the success of Dominion and him kind of missing that because he was actually wrestling like back in Canada. And, you know, the fact that he's not all in, the fact that he wasn't on Dominion, does he kind of get like jealous with, you know, his New Japan brethren doing all that? Yeah. Does he want to go to WWE? And like getting Chase Owens' perspective on stuff is pretty interesting. It was actually a better write up than you, than, you know, I would expect it was really good actually. Um, 
The free match of the week is the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks from Strong Style Vault. Oh, this past man. Year. I freaking love that match. Yep. So that's a you know, <clears throat> five-star rated match by Dave Meltzer, whatever that means. <laughs> um, but it's it's an incredible match. So if you get a chance, it's on YouTube. It's on uh, New Japan World. It's free. Check it out. Um, also, apparently this past week, uh, New Japan came out with a bunch of new merch on their website for many of their different wrestlers. So I think it's one of those things where they have seasons and like the new season of merchandise is out on their website. So, you know, uh, Ben Schaefer and uh, Rolo Miyamoto, you guys got some new shirts coming up. Uh, check these out. You probably won't be able to get them from there because we're just going to buy pro wrestling tees for you and that's about it. But at least you can see what maybe you could have gotten. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, check that out. Um, also, Jushin Thunder Liger threw out the first pitch for a baseball game recently, and then he got into a fight with the Fox yeah, mascot. Yeah, they started a, they had like a little mini match, and uh, Liger hit that man with a shote. Oh, did he? Yeah, and got the pinfall on the field. He should have put him in a package powder, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then done like a shooting star press on him. <laughs> <laughs> he did do the, uh, what's that gimmick he does, the surfboard? Uh, oh, he did the Romero, Romero special? special? yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, also, uh, so there's been some write-ups about Jericho's dates with Fozzie, which will be going through August. So kind of like questioning like his status with New Japan. And I think people are really just trying to figure out, like, when is this guy coming back? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like I don't know. We're not seeing him until after G1. Definitely not until after G1 at this point. So, you know, I think part of that news was, like, people were thinking maybe being the G1. But, like, no, nope, nah. that's not happening. So I think we'll be lucky if we even see him before Wrestle Kingdom, to be honest, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Kenny Omega came out and did a press conference on June 11th, um, which I believe is on New Japan World now, um, kind of talking about his expectations, where he's going to take uh, New Japan and all that sort of stuff. He also did just did an interview with Sports Illustrated as well. I don't know if I mentioned that last week. but I think you did. I might have, but yeah. yeah. You still want to check that out. That Sports Illustrated interview with him is really, really good. Um, in other news that's non-New Japan related, so Being the Elite episode 107 came out today, and uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was a hilarious. I mean, we saw the stuff from the video game conference between uh, the New Day versus um, Elite stuff. That was pretty entertaining. Um, Flip Gordon reemerged. Yeah, he's not dead. Yeah. Um Hangman Page was accused of being the murderer by that midget guy, and he almost killed that guy. Um, I don't think I finished this episode. I was like starting to, and then I had to get my food. So I'm trying to remember how it like all ended. The last the last scene was um, the elite talking about, you know, there's something else that people want to see us against New Day in. And then Kenny's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like. Come on, we're very athletic. What do you think the people want to see us do with the New Day? It's like, Matt, it's like, Matt, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, they want to see us play basketball. He's like, oh, yeah, we should play basketball against the New Day. And then one of the young bucks was like, or we could have a match. <laughs> and then it cut to the... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> they're not going to have a match. You think they're going to have a match? Dude, who knows? Um, also, um, so Cody's been uh, adding like a lot of security to hit like at, like people going into his room and stuff. Which yeah. I don't know. I'm just getting a kick out of this bit, like this gimmick. And so he had like a, a the metal detector. A metal detector. And the guys like what? And then he had like uh, the guys are getting patted down. Yeah, it like go off and like uh, 
what's, what's the business bear's name? Bernard. Like, Bernard. He like pat them down. Like hangman came through. He like patted his dick. It was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bernard the business bear like grabbed uh, Matt Jack or no, I'm sorry, Nick Jackson, and they're like, oh, it's totally random, totally <laughs> random. He's like, is this necessary? Like, and then um. They're getting ready to leave, and Bernard like gets in Nick's face. Nick's like, "You got a problem?" Oh, Cody's like, "It's a base, a bear." Cody's like, "He doesn't have a problem. He's a bear." <laughs> but he clearly does have. Yeah, a problem. Yeah, he's like, "I think like I'm watching you." <laughs> Which I don't know, like Bernard the business bear is such like a terrible gimmick, but it's pretty funny, man. Dude, are we gonna get Bernard in a match? At at all in? No, just in general. Ever? Yeah. I hope not. Oh, my God. Um, also, there's some upcoming matches and shows. So um, CEO is going to be running opposite Best in the World on the same night. So I guess that's something we're probably going to watch on delay. Yeah. Watch yeah. the next day. And um, during that show, we just got a new match announcement. Kushida will be taking on Jay Lethal, which should be fantastic. Oh, yeah. That'll be a great match. So that's going to be on Ring of Honor Best in the World at the end of the month. Also, Ring of Honor is returning to the UK in August. They're calling it the Reunited Tour. And they'll be running an International Cup tournament, eight men, one night. And they said that this is the beginning of multiple international tournaments that they want to do. Tournaments like the U.S. against Germany, U.S. against Mexico, U.S. against Canada, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. this one's going to be U.S. Reminds versus, me of like the uh, old TNA. The World Cup. Impact World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, I don't know who's going to be in it, but yeah, uh, Ring of Honor is going to be doing a eight-man tournament. You know I love eight. You know I love single night tournaments. Oh, yeah, dude. Single night tournaments are great. Also, um, OTT will be uh, holding WrestleRama 2 on August the 18th. And two matches that have been signed for that show, Kushida against Shane Strickland and Tomohiro Ishii versus Matt Riddle. This, this OTT company is putting on some dream bangers, matches. man. So that's something you definitely want to check out. Um, also... Everyone's favorite golden lover, Kota Ibushi, is all in. Nice. Oh, that sounds weird to say, though. (laughs) What I mean is he's all in, like, he's part of the wrestling event, all in. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll we'll be there. We'll be there. And, dude, like, how many shows have we seen Kota Ibushi wrestle on this? Four? This will be the fourth show this year, live. Five? Yeah. This will be the fifth. Bro. We saw him WrestleCon, WrestleCon Super, Super Show. Rev Pro. Rev Pro, Ring of Honor. That's it. And then we're going to see him at CEO. Oh, that's right. And we're going to All In. So, yeah. Wow, dude. In one county year. In one county year, we saw it. Wow. That's wild. That's crazy, dude. And then uh, the last bit of news. So those of you who like Showbuckle, and I see it all the time. People are like, we're Showbuckle. We're Showbuckle. If you haven't checked out the videos of Showbuckle, you need to check them out. Yeah, he's on Vimeo now. He's on Vimeo. V-I-M-E-O. Vimeo, Showbuckle, that's S-H-O-W-B-U-C-K-L-E. He has a new video out uh, talking about Prince Devitt, uh, and I haven't watched it yet, but if it's anything like his other videos, which I'm sure it is, we should probably just watch that now. It's going to be great. Yeah. So um, definitely check that out, and that's going to do it for the news until next time. Well, yeah, that's going to wrap things up here. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Keeping It Strong Style. Next week, we'll be back with more Kazuna Road coverage. And, of course, we'll always keep you up to date in all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. 
our show is at KI Strong Style. You can also follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we're Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Also, we have the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the network. We have One Nation Radio and One Nation Live hosted by Rich Latta. He's also doing some great video versions of his podcast on his YouTube channel. And YouTube, just type in Rich Latta. We also have our independent wrestling podcast, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Chris Lings and Jeremy Tate, a.k.a. James Vanderbeek. We have the boys from Scotland, Ricky and Clive, with the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Um, always great stuff from those guys. And the Outsider's Edge with Rance and Carl. So make sure you guys <laughs> uh, subscribe to the network. Leave a rating and review. You can also catch us on Reddit. I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. So Wait, let me just say this. Because on this last week of the Ricky and Clive wrestling show, they tried to say that we were J&J security. And then they said, well, which one's Jamie Noble? And then freaking Ricky said that he liked Jeremy better than me, so he's Jeremy, he's Jamie <laughs> Noble. So I'm freaking Joey Mercury? Are you kidding me? Here's the thing, guys. If we're J&J security, you guys are Rico and Charlie Haas. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. RNC, baby. <laughs> so until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang. I didn't mess it up. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.